Welcome to Game Face, episode 204 at Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield. Uh, I'm here solo today, kinda. Uh, Matt is at home sheltering in place, but we got him in through Skype. What's up, Kyle? Hey. Welcome, <laughs> welcome, to, the, welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> Matt is at home today. Uh, we're sorry for the late start. Uh, we had a ton of uh, technical hurdles to get over to make sure we could do the show for you guys today. Um, obviously, it's not ideal, and some of the production values for the show are going to suffer a little bit, but we're just doing the best that we can. Um, obviously, this is like a once-in-a-forever thing that we're going through right now that everyone is going through right now. Uh, so we're just trying to do the best that we can to get content out to you guys within the parameters that were kind of put under by the government and by the city and by the state, etc. So Matt is in via Skype. We also have Mitch, who is actually here with me. He has braved the wilds of Los Angeles to come in and see us. What's up, Mitch? Nothing much. Just, you know. Corona shut, in. <laughs> shut down. <laughs> what do you, can you say? <laughs> yeah, there's not much we can do about it, honestly. So we're doing the best we can. The crazy part is, and what really sucks, is that we have a great show for you guys today. It literally could have been the best show so far of 2020. We have... Three huge games to talk about. We have the first final PlayStation 5 specs to talk about. The timing has just worked out awful. But we're going to make the best of it. We're going to do the best we can with what we got here. Um, a couple other notes. We put up our first uh, episode of Deep Dive this week. Uh, some audio issues with the first episode that I had to work a long time to try to get fixed. Um, we'll fix that for the next time. The thing is, we don't know when there will be a next time. Uh, since Matt doesn't want to come in, uh, we're going to have to try to find a new way to get deep dives done going forward. We're working on that. Uh, in the meantime, for this episode, we're probably just going to keep our really big conversations about the games we're going to talk about in this show. So this episode is probably going to be closer to older game phase than newer game phase. It really stinks that all this is happening right after we relaunched. It's like all the best laid plans just flush down the toilet. Um, it's really frustrating, but I'll be perfectly honest with you. There are other people who are dealing with far worse. Um, just the fact that we're able to do anything is better than a lot of people are able to do. Uh, so I'm very appreciative of that. And I'm Even very... Trevor Noah is doing the Daily Show out of his kitchen. So Yeah, it's... yeah. I saw uh, a lot of talk shows are doing the stuff out of their houses. I saw one of them was in like the dude's hallway. So everybody's making do, and we're going to do the same. We're going to do the best that we can to get stuff out to you guys uh, for all the big games that are coming out, and there are a ton. Um, so anyway... Uh, this is Game Phase 204. I think it's going to be a great show. Uh, please forgive us a little bit if we do have issues on the technical side. This is not the time to be picky about how the show looks. We're doing everything we can just to get content out to you guys. So with that, let's kick things off. We're going to start things with Animal Crossing New Horizons. Um, so... There are obviously two big games that were released on Friday, this game, and then Doom Eternal. And I actually got Doom a few days earlier um, than I got Animal Crossing, so I was able to get a good jump on Doom, and I'm basically finished with Doom. I have not played a ton of Animal Crossing, but Mitch has. Mitch, you've really been grinding on Animal Crossing, right? Oh, yeah. Been doing it every day for the last, like, four days. Yep. And Matt, how much time have you had to spend with AC? 
Um, I started Saturday morning, so a fair amount. I have all the fruit. Um, doing doing well in the museum. Uh, like I'm, I'm about as far as you could be after that far. I mean, I've, I've played a fair amount of it and gone to people's towns and had all my sent people thing. I mean, it, it, it's in process. It's happening. You know, as much as you can play Animal Crossing in a day, really. You know, because they they gate you pretty hard in the first few days. Yeah, that's actually the point that I wanted to make is. You know, if you started playing on launch day, you can only be so far because the game keeps yeah. you from getting too far. Um, so I have unless checked, you're cheating. Unless you're cheating, right? And I have checked in every day, um, and so I guess I'm I'm about as far as I could be as far as like the main progress is concerned. I probably don't have as many trees on my island and cool stuff that I've got from other islands and things like that. Um, so this game is called New Horizons, and I think a lot of people would assume with a title like that that this would be kind of a, a paradigm shift for the franchise. It would see a lot of new functionality in it. However, having spent several days with this game, I'm kind of struggling to see it other than the connectivity. Matt, what, what do you, how do you feel about that? Well, I think the title just refers to the fact that you're going to a new uh, uninhabited island. Nah. Um, well, you can't see our lower all, third, Matt, all. but it's called Same Horizons. <laughs> yeah, well, that's all that means. Like, you know, the other one was previous one was called New Leaf. That didn't mean anything either. Um, <laughs> well, turning over a new leaf, right? I'll tell you. I mean, it's Animal Crossing. It's you know, it's, it's exactly why I haven't been particularly super excited about it for as long as we've known about it. Is because it's the same damn game, and it always has been the same damn game. Right now, it's kind of the same damn game we need. Um, it's kind of a, uh, a uh, you know, it's, it's kind of the perfect game. This and Doom are kind of the perfect two games for <laughs> what we're going through right now. It's like, do you want to brainlessly murder a bunch of demons, or uh, do you want to like just forget about shit and dig up fossils? Like, um, is, <laughs> well, Doom is literally hell on Earth, <laughs> which yeah, is what we're experiencing like, right now. <laughs> it's a lot easier to punch demons though than viruses. Absolutely, so it's, it's cathartic. <laughs> That's a good um, point. But I've been enjoying. Animal Crossing for what it is. Have I mean, you? I, I know, I'm surprised. Yeah, I know what I'm getting into. Um, I will say that, like, I cannot... I haven't played an Animal Crossing probably since the Wii one, or maybe the DS one. Wherever, I don't remember what... Not, I didn't play New Leaf, okay. but I played, I guess, the Wii. I think the Wii was probably the last one I played. I cannot believe we still don't have a dialogue skip feature in this game. Like, how in the world do I have to sit through that damn owl every single time I have to talk to him? Um, it's... I mean, I know you can speed it up by holding B, but, like, just let me get through it. Like it's just that. It, that's it the least bad. of my concerns, <laughs> to be honest that's with you. My ma- that's really my main concern right now because it's the thing I see the most. I'm like, I don't want to talk to the damn raccoon all the time when I just want to sell you five weeds. <laughs> um, so we, I guess we should just give a quick overview of the game for people who maybe haven't been following it that closely. It is for all intents and purposes, another Animal Crossing, except this one is set on a deserted island. And when the game starts, you are given a choice between four different kind of layouts uh, for your island. And I think I made a huge mistake when I chose mine. I decided to choose the one that had the most rivers because I thought it would make ultimately the island, I don't know, more diverse, make it look a little better, being able to build bridges across the streams and stuff like that. However, when I started the game, I quickly realized that I was locked into like 20% of the island and I couldn't reach any of the rest of it until I got kind of a pole vault thing that I built that let me pole vault over the different streams. So it starts off pretty much the same as all the other ones. You land on a plane on the island, you get there, you get your first abode, which is like a a pup tent basically. 
they teach you the basics of crafting. Uh, and crafting in this game is just like in anything else. You collect resources, you go to a tool bench, and then, you know, depending on if you have found the recipes or not, then you can craft something. Um, and then from there, once you kind of pay off your initial debt to Tom Nook to get there, which is like 5,000 points or whatever, then you upgrade to a full home, and then you're in debt 98,000 bells to Tom Nook, which you then start trying to pay off. Um and well, that, I'm in debt in 198,000 bells now because I'm one house up. Oh, so you've already built a second and, house. Yeah, and let, I've, I've expanded it again. And let me tell you, it is not much of an expansion. Like, <laughs> well, even, even from the tent Tom, to the no, house isn't that big of a deal. No, even for it's just like one set of squares out now. Yeah. And so that's really what Animal Crossing is. You, you just get on that squirrel wheel, and you just keep building bigger and better things, not just for yourself but for the island in general. Uh, one of the first things that you're tasked with doing is basically finding a bunch of bugs and fish for and fossils for a museum. Once you've delivered enough of those, the museum is built and the building starts and it happens overnight. And you wake up the next day and there's a museum. And that's kind of the loop of the game. It's just, it's kind of like, I said before we went on air, I was talking to Mitch. I'm like, it's kind of like the fidget spinner of video games. Like, it's just this yeah, thing I mean, that it, you use to it, just it, pass the time. Yeah, you're not supposed to play it for, like, hours and hours each day. It's just, like, go in, deal with your stuff, get your resources, maybe do some things, see what changed, and come back tomorrow. Yeah, because eventually you get to the point with each day where you're just catching the same fish and you're catching the same bugs. And typically that's your cue that, yep, it's time to lay down and go to mm. sleep. And the now, co- I will say that uh, I have never seen so many people online on my Switch before. Yeah, and everyone's like, playing this like, game. I have like 28 people online simultaneously, and they're all playing Animal Crossing. Yeah. Like I've never seen this before. Same deal with me. I mean, because people with own Switches don't play online. <laughs> right. They just but don't. Because there's nothing else to do right now. Yeah, so. yeah for sure. Um, so, Matt, do you see any refinements in this at all from prior games? Because um, I'll tell you that. I mean, I, I haven't played Animal Crossing for like three games, so I don't really know. Well, I mean, so it's been, well, that's actually, you're the perfect person to ask because you have not played it for three games. Do you see a change in the game from when you played the game three installments ago? I mean, I certainly recognize it. I think there's like elements that are um, more streamlined, like the switching of tools or um, once you get the tool ring. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it's easier to move trees around. It's easier to like rearrange the environment if you don't like it. Um, whereas before you were pretty much just stuck with it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how common that, how how extensive that was before, but obviously I'm three games out. Um, the crafting is like both more interesting and more annoying because like now you need even more resources to do things. Um, so like the I mean it is good that they expand the pocket room more, but I am also annoyed that I can't find a way to. I thought the tool ring was going to let me throw all my tools on a tool ring and free up inventory space, but no. Um, I mean, it's still the same game in in a lot of lot of ways. Uh, to the point that the same, you know, the same character comes in every Sunday to sell turnips, and yeah. the same character shows up to sell your rugs, and the same character shows up to collect your museum fossils, and the same. Yeah, it's just the same thing with more palm trees. Yeah, um, which I'm I guess I'm kind of fine with right now. But I'll tell you this much: if I could go outside more. I would probably not be playing this as much as I am. Yeah, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. And look, I was way more excited for this game than you were. 
Um, and I have played all the Animal Crossings, all of them actually. I've, I've not skipped one at all. And so for somebody like me, I was excited for this game. I remember the last time I played it, I think it was City Folk, um, I played it for probably 70 hours total by the time I quit. And I remember you giving me crap thinking I was crazy for doing that. And I think I was crazy for doing <laughs> that. I'll agree with you a thousand percent. Uh, what happened in that game was I ended up, eventually the game ended up being broken because there was a certain place that you could go to fish where you could catch fish that were worth just ungodly amounts of bells. Mm-hmm. And so it just became a process of me traveling to that place, catching all the fish, coming back and selling them. And then the whole economy was broken. Um, and it wasn't a glitch either. It wasn't some kind of thing where people discovered like some kind of hack that worked on it. It was just the way that they had designed the game. And I haven't really found anything like that yet in this one. Um, uh, I mean, turnips are a little bit like that. And also there have been people who have managed to exploit um, tarantula catching. Isn't, aren't there yeah. islands with infinite tarantulas or something? There, there are islands full of tarantulas. Tarantulas sell for, I think, 8,000 bells each. Um, there was one guy who on Twitter I saw who built an army of tarantulas. Like he literally stacked them up three high on his, he cleared his whole Island, stacked them up three high in a line all the way across the Island and marched in front of them with a flag, like a commander. Like that was his, <laughs> that was what he did with all the tarantulas. But uh, look, I'll say that that's kind of what you're looking to do with this game. In a lot of ways, you kind of have to make your own fun. Um, and, oh, yeah. it, and I think it's flexible enough that you can do that. But I think people who maybe aren't into those kind of games should maybe beware this a little bit because organically I don't feel like it does provide a ton of fun if you've been playing entry after entry. Now Mm -hmm. we have someone else here who has never played Animal Crossing before and this is his first game. Uh, Mitch, what are your first impressions of your first ever Animal Crossing? Uh, It's fine. You know, the having to deal with not being able to push through the game is a little different. And when I started to realize I had to go to bed all the time was a little frustrating because I wanted to keep going, Um, especially because the isolation right now with where everyone's at, that's kind of the thing people want to do right now. Um, But I see this game more as like a social experiment or a social experience more than a video game itself because it's all about exploring other people's islands. It's all about seeing what people have put on their island you know, the gameplay mechanics itself, like I play online with a friend of mine and every time he goes to my island or I go to his, we already drained our resources. So there's not much gameplay to do at that time. It's mainly about the social interaction. But I think where it falls short is there's no way to chat. And I think yeah, it would be... Yeah, they, there's no social yeah, interaction. I think, I think it would be extremely beneficial if this game had chat. Like something as simple as that. It does have that. chat. I mean, it does. But text you, chat. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't no work voice in chat. communication. I basically was Skype calling my friend while yeah. we were exploring each other's island. And I had way more fun than trying to text him on the phone. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just Nintendo. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's part of the game, and it is the it's cumbersome to communicate with others in this game. Now, one the worst pro- part about the the communication with the chat is that, for whatever reason, they made Y space. Yeah, which like it, Th- it's reverse, it You know, yeah. it, it's not the top button. Yeah, like it's it's the it's so every weird. other game console has the top button is space in chat, and they have the left button instead. And it I know, and the top button closes the window. 
So I continually right, erase yeah. the chat message <laughs> that I'm trying to type by accidentally using the same button that everybody else uses for space. Nintendo, fall in line. It also but, just takes forever to type something out. By, yeah. by, by the time I finish typing something, the other person has already wandered to like the other side of the island. Now, you can use the app. There's a companion app for this game where you can actually just type on your phone to send those things, and that does make it a lot easier. But mm-hmm. yes, for a game like this, voice chat should almost be mandatory. Now, I get it. It's Nintendo. Nintendo's really paranoid about you know communicating because a lot of kids play their games. They're afraid adults are going to talk to kids. I get all that, but... You know, it's the same issue that every other platform holder has, and they've all sorted it out. So I don't understand why Nintendo still has not managed to fix this. Um, so, Mitch, are you Probably kind of... the same reason they haven't given you a text skip, because we buy it anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. Mitch, are you kind of dumbfounded by how popular this franchise is now that you're playing your first, or do you get it? Um, I get it. It's, uh, you know, probably this is the perfect time for the game to ever come out. I agree with Matt. If I could go outside, because I like to do other things like play tennis or go to the gym, other things like that, you know, I probably would not be as entertained as I am at this moment because it is an escape. It is a way to get away from all the the hard times that people are going through right now. And it's nice to kind of just build something, show off your personality and have positivity in life because everything is really You can't get it anywhere right else right you now. You can't. It's all negative today. <laughs> it is. Absolutely. Uh, so you maybe you are kind of understanding why it's been such a big deal. By the way, this game is selling better than any Animal Crossing ever has. Topped the UK charts over the weekend. It's the best-selling Switch game ever. It at least one Japanese retailer. That same Japanese retailer said it's the most it's ever sold of a game in one week. Uh, so this game is setting the world on fire. It could not have come out at a better time. Um, not just that it's a big Nintendo first-party game, but the fact that it is the type of game that it is, that it's taking you away to this island vacation, which nobody can do right now. Uh, it was just the perfect time for this exact game to be released. Now, as someone who has been playing Animal Crossing all along, and I've played every version of the game, I am disappointed that there aren't more changes in this game. We're going to talk about connectivity in a second. That is definitely the biggest new addition, the way they handle sort of online functionality in this. But the rest of the game itself, like I said earlier, this game is like a fidget spinner. It's a time killer. Um, Nothing exciting ever really happens. I think it... What it does is it sets your bar for excitement so low that when something stupid happens, like something shows up in your mailbox, you're like, Yahoo! It, it's weird. It, like, it grinds you down to almost boredom so that when even dumb stuff happens, you get excited about it. Does that make sense? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I was so, so One of my friends sent me a ladder early before I could build one, uh-huh. and it was the best thing that's happened in the game because I can get up on things now. Yeah. And then I started having them make me more ladders so I could send them to other people. Yeah. And like... <laughs> I think Matt just froze Basically, there. Basically, like, I was There's... like, oh, it's like... A... And it's like where we are. Like, yeah. We're excited about having basic mobility. Yeah. It's a, look, it's a fine line to walk. When you have a franchise that's as old as Animal Crossing... You have a lot of fans, and fans have specific expectations of the franchise. I totally get that. I'm not saying that they should have tipped the apple cart uh, for this entry. However, as someone who has played this game for a long time, this franchise for a long time, I, it bothers me that there are not more ease-of-use upgrades. A lot of the things that annoy the crap out of me about past Animal Crossing games are annoying me in this one. Like, you go to sell stuff. You can't go to the list of stuff you want to sell 
and mark like 10 things and sell them all at once. You have to sell each thing. No, you don't. No, you don't. You How can do you do sell that? All so items. How? Just highlight all of them and then hit start. For real? Plus. I, I think, never even yeah. knew that. I think you unlock it later. Oh, I haven't um, got there I, yet. I, when we, because we talked about this, you and I, and uh, you know the things you talked about with this specific thing. Also with fossils, once the museum's built, you also can select mos- multiple fossils and have him skip telling you about each fossil. But ah, you do have see, I've g- I've not that far in the game. I've not got to the point where I can do that yet. But well, you do that's, have to go through it, that it's grind. Like, it's like that from the beginning. Really? It's, it's like a, the very start. Yeah. I never even figured. I never figured it out. Do they tell I've been you that? Selling... No, I just fig- I think I just figured it out because the interface seems to imply it. Oh, interesting. Because like when you when you when you click on a thing in the inventory when you're selling, it highlights it in blue, and then you can click on another thing and highlight that in blue, and then it has a little thing that says confirm. You ah. just go down and confirm, and it sells everything at once. I never, I did not know that. I've been selling everything one at a time the entire time I've been playing this game. And maybe that's well, a failure that, of them that not would explaining. That definitely make it worse. It <laughs> makes it way worse, because I spend so much time trying to sell stuff back to Nook, or what's Nook's little kid called? Timmy or... Timmy and Tommy. Timmy and Tommy. Yeah, selling stuff to them. I've been doing it one at a time. It's been incredibly annoying. So that's good to hear. Actually, they have fixed one of the major issues I've had with the franchise for a while. Um, you, you can batch to you can do things in batches now. Finally, that's great. That's that's a huge upgrade. But it's something so stupid and simple that you think it would have been in the game a long time ago. It wasn't. Um, so it's good to see that that's there. And uh, I I'm, wasn't sure if that was new in this game or if they'd done that a couple games ago. Yeah, because they really did, if it really took this long to do that, that's amazing. It's silly. I mean, it is silly. It's something that's so simple. But yeah, I mean, that's good to hear. But at the same time, I've played this franchise for how many years? I played this game for a few hours at this point. I've been playing mostly Doom, and I didn't know it was there. So they don't tell you specifically like, hey, you can batch sell stuff. Uh, but that's a huge upgrade. That's a that will make a big difference for a game that is essentially. A spreadsheet with a vin- uh, with something painted over top of it. I mean, that's really what Animal Crossing is. It's just a big database grinding below the surface uh, with this kind of, I don't know, almost like a, a set for a play, like a standee in front of it. Um, it was a mobile game before there were mobile games, really. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, actually. And look, it, the upgrades to visuals in this game are pretty drastic. Obviously, easily the best-looking Animal Crossing ever. Oh, yeah. The museum actually looks really nice. Yeah. All the stuff in there. Yeah, there are lots of things that look really nice. At the same time, there it's still, there's a lot of corners cut. And it's like when you hand stuff in to buy it, it's always in the same bag. Like, the character creation in this game is so freaking anemic. Like, for a That's game... because they want you to, you have to unlock all that stuff later. Yep, exactly. But when you start the game, it's pretty much impossible to make a character that looks like you. Because there's, what, yeah. four hairstyles and, like, three noses. Yeah. Basically, and... you have to, like, make someone that looks like a human. Yeah. Like, there's, there's, no, there's no way to tell, really. It's not a me. Yeah. That's for sure. So you have to basically work to create a character that actually looks like you. I guess eventually you're going to get there. I haven't really, in the time I've played, I haven't, other than, like, a new shirt, I haven't really got anything mm-hmm. like that that unlocked. Have you? Well, the, the weirdest thing to me is I couldn't find a hair color that looks like my hair color. Yeah, because like, there's, like, dark I, there, brown there and black. No, yeah, there's no brown that really matches my brown. Yeah. Like, I thought that was weird. I suspect a lot of people are going to have that same problem. Um, let's talk about connectivity, because it is kind of the big... I don't even know. It's not really new, because the game has kind of had connectivity stuff in the past. But yeah, they've gone, going back to the Wii, they've done that. But this, I guess this is the closest they've gotten to workable, but it's still pretty odd in places. Yep, so there's, when you land, in perfect timing with the B-roll, when you land on the plane at the island, there's like a little airport there. And the airport, 
ends up acting as your gateway to the connectivity. So there's a literally a physical gate there that when you open it up, that allows people to come onto your island. And it's there are pretty good settings there as far as like whether you want to allow specific people to come or not, or you just want to let anyone show up. Um, but once you do that, people can just start coming to your island. Um, and I had a sifter come and uh, hang out on my island, and it was cool. Like, he had played longer than me, so he was kind of giving me some tips. He told me that there was a, a message in a bottle at the shoreline, and I should go and grab it, which I did. Uh, we hung out for a while, but then it got to the point where I wanted to make progress in the game. And the way the game is set up, it's it kind of locks you out from moving forward when you have somebody on your island. You try to do stuff, and they'll say, you should concentrate on making sure your guests are having a good time instead of just letting you do stuff. So after a while, I socialized with the guy, and we talked for a while. He gave me some tips, and I was like, all right, I'm ready to start actually making progress. I couldn't. So um, I he had, like, gone idle. He was just standing in front of the bulletin board, like, not moving for, like, 20 minutes, and I was, like, trying to tell him, hey, I want to go on, and I think he just was, like, AFK. So I boot him. Um, if you hit the minus button on the left Joy-Con, you can select to boot people. I think it's actually called, like, end the session. And I did that, and it booted him out, and then I had lost everything that I had collected while he was there, all of it. Um, all my inventory was completely empty. I had like five things left. I lost all the bells I collected. I lost all the, the miles that I had collected. And I was pretty disappointed to see that. Um, I don't know if it's just, if that only happens when you boot somebody. Uh, do you guys have any experience with that? No. no. I, I, whenever someone, whenever someone leaves, it saves when they leave and I kept everything. I haven't run into that. So you haven't had to boot anyone though. You've just, they've just left no. on their own. Yeah. No, I yeah. have not booted anybody yet. Yeah, so I lost everything uh, that I had collected and done while he was there, so including that message in a bottle that he had sent me to the shore to get. Um, so that was a little odd. But overall, what are your guys' impressions of the connectivity? Does it really add in much to the game? Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Like I've been to a couple places, had people come over a bit. We've traded a bunch of things. I've been uh, people give me all my. All, I've got all the fruit because I had a ladder, so I would go to people's islands and dig up the fossils on the high high ground that they couldn't get to yet and bring them to them and then they give me fruit in exchange um like i've enjoyed that kind of thing and seeing how people set things up one one person had like this really creepy th- setup on the far side of their island with a bunch of garden gnomes um which i am actually replicating in mine now because like it's just <laughs> like if it's you know because you know how the world sort of like like scrolls as sort of like a sphere towards yeah. you it's almost like, like super it, mario it, galaxy in some ways the way yeah, the world works it's set yeah. up this is set up so as, as you walk kind of north the the gnomes just sort of appear on the horizon <laughs> and it's really creepy and i love it and i actually found a, a neon diner sign uh today that i put behind all the gnomes it's like two stories tall and it just says we're open and it's <laughs> it's just the creepiest thing um so it, it like you said it's about making your own fun but like part of that fun is letting people come over and like see the weird stuff you've done well the other thing about it is visiting them and seeing what not only what they've done but getting the resources that they have um if mm. you haven't found a specific uh, type of fruit that you need to plant so that you have those types of trees on your island, it's the easiest way to do it. And before you could do this in Animal Crossing, getting stuff like that was a major pain in the ass. And now, even if you don't have friends that you're connected to on Nintendo Online, you can just go to random islands and you can find stuff that in other games would have taken you like days to get access to. So 
Yeah, I, the, the Nook tour tickets are, are a good addition, or whatever they're called, where you buy the ticket and you just go to a random yep. uninhabited island and there's anything could be there. Like, yep. I've gotten a lot of good stuff from those. Oh, yeah. I mean, I got pretty much, you know, when you land on your island, I think there's just one fruit per island. Like, I had peaches on yeah. mine. And yeah, then there's, you, there's one native fruit per. And then you have to go out and collect the other ones. Um, and I was, uh, you know... Basically, my whole island was full of peach trees, and then I started visiting other islands, and now I have, like, four or five different uh, tree types growing on my island. In fact, uh, the one person who visited gave me a coconut, which allowed me to start growing palm trees on my island. So it's – I, in all honesty, I think connectivity – and maybe you guys disagree with this – I think connectivity is really the key to enjoying this game, particularly if you have played several of these in the past. Well, I mean, they've always had that to some degree. Like, when to collect fruit on the original GameCube one, you just had to mail it to each other with that code. Right, right. Um, yeah. Which was, you know, kind of, that's, that's how they force you to communicate is to get fruit. And so, I mean, I have all the fruit now. It's, it's all growing. It's, it's not sprouted yet. But, like, I have all fruit trees of every kind planted. Um, and it's entirely from, like, trading with people and, and going to other islands and doing that. And it works really well. Um and, of course, it's the same thing with the fruit is more valuable. It's not from your island. The one thing I've noticed is, like, 90% of the people I know, pears. Pears are their native fruit. Like, pear seems to be the most common native fruit for some reason. And every single, t- like, Nook Tour island I've been to, pears. Every single one. I've been to, like, six of them, all pears. Really? I don't know what the pear thing is. That's yeah. interesting. I wonder why that is. Because I've hit different ones know. when I went on my tours. Me too. Uh, yeah. And also, you know, those Nook... Those nook trips to those islands, great way to make money real quick. Like, just mm-hmm. scavenge everything. It's pretty easy to do that. Um, and I came out to a couple islands where I came out with, last night, I had like 35,000 bells I just did from scavenging an entire island. And I'm like, this could pay off my house pretty quick because I'm at the same place you are, Matt. I, I owe like 40000 on my $198,000 home. So, mm-hmm. Yep, and that is a good way to get currency, is to just go go to other islands, basically pillage them for all they're worth, try to make sure that your inventory is as empty as possible before you go there. Um, and then in today's Sifted HQ, Mitch actually has a really good tip, which is once you're on one of those islands, like just intentionally break a couple of your easily craftable items so you have a couple extra slots freed up to put stuff in there again that's worth a lot of money that you can take back and sell. Um Mitch, you said you paid off, like, your first house in, like, two trips, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I paid off each house every single day so far, except yesterday. I was working on HQ, so I didn't have time to spend more time in Animal Crossing. But you could pay off each house, like, in one day if you just go to enough islands. Yep. Um, so this is a game basically without an objective. Um, and it always has been. Um, what, what is it that keeps people playing, do you guys think? I think it's similar filling, to filling the bar is fun, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's what it comes down to, really. Like, I think it's similar to dreams in the aspect of creativity and letting people show off their personality. Their, their, like, like Matt said, those gnomes made you really excited about that because it was really interesting to see. And someone is showing off their personality and their creativity. And I think that it matches that in similar to dreams. Yeah, or Minecraft. I yep. think Minecraft, this game in particular, gives me a big-time Minecraft vibe. Yeah, I would say Minecraft more than anything. Um, although this game does not give you, by the way, we should say, does not give you anywhere near the leeway that Minecraft does it to create stuff. Um, for the most oh, no. part, everything in this game is pre-built, and you're just slapping it down, and then you're filling it with your stuff. 
Um, we do have we did show you a little bit of B-roll there. There's like patterns that they give you that you can put on your shirt and you can, you know, use it for wallpaper and flooring and things like that. But the structures are for the most part pre-built. You just slap them down and then you kind of go about customizing them that way. Yeah, the, this uh, it's in comparison to something like Minecraft or Stardew Valley, it's extremely simplistic. Yeah. It's like my it's like my first Minecraft. And you know, kids are masters of Minecraft at this point. I wonder if they'll think this game is too simple. Well, I think I think something else that they might not like about this one, and these are two gripes I have about the game, I think the controls are really flimsy. It's really hard to be accurate, especially when yeah. I'm like trying to shoot out a fishing pole. Like my friend and I basically did a contest of who can catch the fish first because we kept missing. And so, and he won, obviously, but, uh, but yeah, why is it the fishing? Why, when you hit the button, doesn't a cursor just appear that you can then control over the surface of the water and release it? And that's where you cast your line. It is absurd, like trying to inch your character. So it has the exact right angle to toss the line. So it lands in front of the fish. Again, something that's been a part of the franchise for a long time that they just haven't seen to be able to to get over the hump on. Well, now at least I'll add to that is that, you know, there's that, but at the same time, the controls, and I use a pro, a pro controller. I prefer that over everything else when I play on my Switch. Even on the pro controller, the controls are too, little inch movements are like, you move like 10 feet. Yeah. And it's like, even, and when I played on handheld mode, it's even worse because those, those Joy-Con just doesn't work. I agree. I mean, it's, it, but it's also been, you don't know this because you haven't played them, but it's been a problem in the series for forever, which is really weird. Like, it, the limited controls that you do get in this game, typically Nintendo would do a far better job nailing those. I mean, that's usually Nintendo's wheelhouse is controls, how a game feels to play. And you're right. That's probably the worst element of Animal Crossing. It's really odd. Yeah, the precision problems really come... I- because there's the classic way of uh, cheating on, you know, or gaming the rocks, where you know you hit a rock with a shovel and it spits something out, yep. and they work like they work like the multi-coin blocks in Mario, where the more you hit them in a certain amount of time, the more you get out of them. Yep. So the trick is you you dig two holes diagonally away from it so that you kind of put your back to the holes, and when you hit the rock, it doesn't knock you back. The holes stop you from, so you can just keep hitting it. Yep. And trying to dig those holes accurately. Every time, like it's a it's a crapshoot. That's impossible. Trying to water plants. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's insane. It's impossible to get the spray onto the plants. And then the crazy part is, is the only way that you know that they've been watered are there these little tiny drops that drop off of the leaves of the plant, which you can hardly even see. Uh, but you're right. If you want to like create a row of trees, like digging the holes to plant the fruit in a perfect line is like impossible. Like it's very bizarre. It's just something that usually Nintendo nails in its games, and it just, for whatever reason with this franchise, it just, it keeps lumbering on like this. It's really weird. I also (laughs) think something that contributes to it is the camera. The lack of having that free camera control where you can, it's because the trees block it, and even if you can push the camera upwards, sometimes you still can't see. So I'm, like, walking around, and then I have to look for the text bubble to say, hey, that's a peach. You can pick Mm. it up. But sometimes you can it takes if me... you're if you're behind a tree or something you, and you can't see if you hit hit up on the right stick it'll zoom in and it'll make the whatever's in front of you invisible. Really? So you see, see I've tried I that. I did not know that. But as, soon as, but as soon as you move, it goes back to normal. Oh. I didn't even know that you could do that. Um, well, this is great. Yeah. Um, because I, like my island, 
has a stream that goes across the top of the island. And so if I go up there and I try to fish, there's always trees that are blocking me from seeing the water. And so I throw my line in the water, and I have no idea if the fish is anywhere near it. So you're saying hold up on the right stick, and that tree will disappear? Yeah, but only when you're standing still. Like as soon as you do something, the view goes back to normal. Interesting. It's mostly useful to see if like there's a weed patch behind the tree you haven't gotten or, a, or something's dropped behind the tree that you haven't gotten. Uh, the other use for it is at night, if you push up on the stick, you'll get a better view of the sky, which is how you see shooting stars. And if you see a shooting star, you hit A and you get, quote, a wish. Um, but all that really means is it drops shooting star material on the beach and you can go pick it up and then you can make special things with the shooting star material. And that is one thing that is cool about this game is there's all these things that are just happening. Um, it's set to a clock. And in fact, it's supposed to sync to like your, your real time. So um, mm. it, when it's dark where you are, it's dark in the game. And there are just random events that pop up. Like sometimes you'll just see a present just floating on a balloon that goes across the world. You may completely miss it. And if you don't have a slingshot, you can't bring it down and get it anyway. Um, That's how I got that neon diner sign. Yeah. I mean, it's some, so, I mean, that is one of the cool things about this game. You kind of don't know what's going to happen every day. Um, and it is time to o'clock. So when it's your birthday, something happens in the game. When it's a holiday, something happens inside the game. Um, it's a life simulation with animals, basically. That's what it comes down to. I mean, that really is where... Weird. The other thing is, like, I've met a lot of animals on people's islands and stuff. It seems to be a very high concentration of animals that are obsessed with working out. Yeah. <laughs> like, the personality I, 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 type that just wants, like, a lifting buddy, like, I run into that personality type constantly. I gave that guy a weight, and he gave me a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> okay, so should people buy this game? Um, like I said, it's a great time killer, and I think the tone of it is perfect right now because people are looking for comfort, and it is, even for older players like me, it is comfort food gaming. And I think even for newcomers to this franchise, when they start playing it, it's a relaxing, tranquil experience. It's not going to get your nerves all fired up. Um, there, it's not demanding. Like, if you miss something, it's like, so what? Um, it's kind of like a lazy video game to play which is perfect for right now, but should people buy it? Matt? I mean, if you didn't like the other ones, this ain't going to change your mind. Yeah. Um, but as someone who did kind of like the other ones, but also, like, stopped caring and stopped playing them for a while, like, coming back to this one at this time was useful just because any amount of social interaction, I'll take it right now. It's like going to, like, Morgan's <laughs> Island yeah. was, like, really great. I was like, hey! It's like, we're hanging out. Kind of. <laughs> if it wasn't that kind of time, I don't know if I would be as forgiving of so many of its weird foibles as I am, but I am enjoying it well enough that I don't regret it. But I'm also going to say it's got to be helping that I haven't played Animal Crossing in, like, almost ten years. That does help. Mitch, as a newcomer, what? how do you feel? Do you regret buying it? Are you happy that you bought it? No, I mean, I, I agree with Matt. I think the circumstance in current today's time affects a little bit of my view on this game because, you know, I think it would have been as busy or as exciting as fun if people were so socially isolated at the moment. But I think if I was a person that had played this game before, like the last game, and I didn't enjoy it as much, I could see not enjoying this one because it's so similar. I think the only unfortunate thing with this game, especially in the times we are in today, that you are limited on what you can do each day. I think if you could do 
everything all the time, I think my perception on this would be a little bit higher because there's such a roadblock for you every single well, day. You can always just jump the, uh, un- unconnect the time of the switch to the of the from the internet and just jump the time ahead, and you'll get the next day's thing. Whatever, like people so are doing internet that a lot just to like kind of that, move on. Basically. The internet is no what, the, the clock. The, the, no, the switch. The switch clock does. Oh, okay. So what you have. Yeah. So what you have to do is basically uncheck the thing that says like I haven't done this, so I don't know if this is exactly how you do it. But you have to uncheck the thing that syncs the switch's clock to the internet, and then set the time ahead however you want, like to the next day. Or people have been doing it weeks ahead to get like stuff to grow or whatever. And then you can set it back for other things, and like the the mole will yell at you or whatever. But like. Um, you can cheat it if you want. I haven't done that yet, but like I can see a point re- arriving where I'm just like, you know what? I don't want to wait another day for this thing to get built, and I just want to do it now. So I don't blame people in the current situation if they want to do it that way. Which right. uh, would make sense because um, my switch is still set to central time when I was in Minnesota. So I'm playing two hours ahead of L.A. time in Animal Crossing World. Same thing on my mm-hmm. PlayStation. But um, the only thing I would say to that is you know, it does hinder still, and who wants to take the time to go into their Switch, change the clock? It's annoying. It's not, it's not something that's feasible for the I used the to do that in the person. GameCube version, and I, it's, it's almost more hassle than it's worth, ultimately. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have a sense of urgency when I play this franchise. It's like, to me, it's just kind of this experience that I just let it wash over me. I take what it gives me every day, and I move on. Um, I'm not that concerned with making progress in this game that I would want to take the time to do something like that, but obviously the option's there if you do, which is great. I still was tempted to do it a couple times just because I was waiting for the thing to get, whatever the thing was was being built to get built, and like my inventory was basically filling up. You know, and I'm just like, well, I just need to get rid of this stuff, but I don't want to throw it away. So it, it was, uh, it's just the waiting game of like getting the, the basic elements of the of the gameplay in place. Like early on are annoying to me. Like you can't, go online the first day right yeah for no apparent yeah there's really no other reason day. other than the maybe like i just they want I just, noobs I to just learn. got the ability to do emotes like why yeah. was that behind the <laughs> lock like what the, well, i don't get it like, I don't, well a lot of it is because okay. a lot of kids play their games and they want the kids to slowly build their knowledge i base promise and... the kids know how emotes work <laughs> in a video game it, it's just a little it's a little remedial it's nintendo like there's a point at which it crosses over from like oh this is for kids and like is this for my parents like, yeah it's it's so slow it's like i feel like you're targeting my mom and not like my niece are I, you guys gonna keep my playing niece knows what she's doing yeah i'm gonna keep playing yeah what about you mitch uh, I'll keep playing. My friend keeps sending me stuff of fish he's catching, shirts he's getting, all that kind of stuff. So it kind of incentivizes me to keep going because I want to, one, keep up with him and to kind of see where the game goes further. I forgot one last little point, which is a little ridiculous, is when you sell your items in the beginning, like where you're at, Shane, you can go there anytime you want, any time of day to sell your stuff and buy things. But when you build a shop... There are shop hours, and you can't go buy things if you're only between the hours of, like, 8 and 10, like 8 a.m. to 10 So, wait, does it close up the other shop that I've been using, and you can't go yes, use it? exactly. That's insane. Yeah, you can drop things into a drop box and get money the next day for it, but it completely just, like, went complete opposite of what you've been doing the entire time, which made no sense. Yeah, that's I odd. was just like, why, why aren't you limiting early 
and then stay that way instead of giving me full fledge and then cutting me off early later. Yeah, I guess I would recommend buying this game. It's a tough call for me. Um, if people have played the franchise before or several entries before, I would pull back on that a little bit. To me, it's not a must-buy, but I think everyone just needs to have their expectations set in the right place before they make the purchase. And you should know that it's this thing that sticks around every day but doesn't take up a lot of your time. It's kind of like this thing that you check in with every day, and as you get better at it and you start to understand how all the systems work and how they all connect together, uh, you start to learn how to maximize the time. Um, And eventually it becomes this thing that you check in on and you spend 15, 20 minutes with it a day, and it just kind of keeps going. Um, So I think as long as you have those expectations in mind before you buy the game and, and you're cool with that, um, you get a lot of value out of these games. That's just the, the bottom line. Like a lot of games, like Doom. We're going to talk about that in a minute. You buy it, you play it. Four days later, you're on to something else. That's not how this game works. And I think there aren't a lot of franchises in gaming at all, not just on the Switch or any other platform, that do this, that give you this product or this experience that is built to sustain over the long haul. Uh, we're seeing it with games as a service now. Maybe Animal Crossing was the original game as a service. <laughs> it's kind of interesting to think about. But, you know, for $60 that you're going to spend on this game, for most people, you're going to get way over your normal value for your 60 bucks playing Animal Crossing New Horizons. So I think that's a clean sweep across all three of us. I think all of us recommend that you should pick it up. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about the Resident Evil 3 remake. Uh, There wasn't a whole lot of hubbub made about this, but there was a free demo of both the single-player campaign and the Resistance multiplayer mode that was up on, was it every platform? I think it was. Maybe not PC. I don't know about, it was definitely PlayStation. I didn't didn't see that until yesterday, but yeah. I played it on PS4, but I think it was also available for Xbox One. Mitch, you played it on PS4, is that right? Yes. Um, And the demo, it's not... It's not that long. You can drag it out a little bit if you want to. If you know what to exactly do in the demo, you can probably finish it in like 10 minutes. I think it took me like 18 minutes or something like that to uh, get through the whole thing. But even in the demo, there's all these optional things that you can do. There's optional objects that you can find, uh, optional weapons that you can find, like a shotgun. Uh, You don't necessarily have to find the shotgun to finish this demo, but if you look around, you can find the shotgun and have some fun with it. Um, to kind of set it up, you're seeing the opening cinematic here. Um, she comes into contact with these two guys in the subway. Uh, they're both like, oh, my God, the, the crap's hitting the fan. What are we going to do? These two brave gentlemen end up setting her topside <laughs> to go handle the problem, which is a little odd. Um, but I will say this. like this, this demo was short, but it showed off a lot of the game. Now, Mitch is a gigantic Resident Evil fan. I wouldn't even go so far as maybe to say it's his favorite franchise ever. So I am very interested to hear what you thought about this demo, Mitch. Um, well, context, Resident Evil was the first game I ever played. So, um, But uh, I really liked it. I think I really liked Resident Evil 2 Remake, um, the things they changed and adjusted. It's not a perfect game. I have my gripes about a couple things that they could have adjusted to make it a really perfect game. But... Um, here, I think it just builds upon what they did with RE2. You Does know? it build upon it? 
I think they do. They show the dodge mechanic they have, and that works actually pretty well. I was surprised on how satisfying the dodge mechanic did and the timing and all that kind well, of stuff. Well, it's just like a sidestep, basically. Um, it's a roll. You can roll forward. So I've only dodged forward. I didn't know you could sidestep. Yeah, there's a sidestep in the game. Oh, I And you only... can step back, too. When, so I've... if an enemy lunges at you, you can avoid it. So I guess if you dodge forward then and hit the button, you'll actually roll. So oh. I tended to roll in front of the enemy to avoid them giving me, like, a bear hug. Um, but I think things like the story elements here, they add a little bit extra to it, where on that train sequence in the original game, you know, they didn't have people there. Yep. So it's it's changes the the stakes for those characters and especially for those soldiers and you know like carlos and all that kind of stuff so i I really enjoyed it i think they upgraded nemesis a little bit and i it makes it a little bit more intimidating which i like it works how do you feel that they upgraded nemesis he's a lot faster he can grab you from a far distance Uh, he uses like tentacles to like snag you yeah, I think they expanded his skill set to really match what the cutscenes did in the original game, um, but never showed it in actual gameplay. And here it's, it comes to life, and it's really well done. Well, one thing we should mention before we move forward is this game, it's been a long time since the original came out. So a lot of people watching or listening to this show may be wondering what the hell is up with Resident Evil 3. Well, the game is called Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, and that's because... For the entire game, you are chased by Nemesis in this. And obviously that was kind of, there was a similar element in the Resident Evil 2 remake. You had Mr. X who who didn't stalk you the entire game, but there were sections of the game where it felt like he was stalking you the whole time because it's just, it, you know, it's very intense trying to get away from him. But Nemesis is that element in this game the entire time. He never really goes away. Um, and they, you know, right off the gate in this demo, you deal with the nemesis with nemesis for the very first time and you're right mitch he is he seems harder to avoid um it doesn't appear that he does more damage than he used to do though i think they've kind of kept that intact as far as how many times you can get hit by him before you die um but he is much more prevalent in the game he can snatch you from much farther away than he could in the original game um and then obviously you know it's a it's a remaster so the visuals in this are just <laughs> I mean, my God, it's gobsmacking if you played the original, the difference in this remake from what the game used to look like. Um, It was an original PlayStation game. So even if you've never seen it, you can use your imagination to figure it out. In fact, I think we have some B-roll of the original, don't we, laying around in there? Yeah, I'll play it a little bit later. Although there's an interim where they did do the the Dreamcast PS2 remakes. Oh, that's right. That's true. Yeah, which, I th- I, which I think were the PC versions for a long time. Yeah. And I think they also did it for GameCube as well because they were doing the Resident Evil 1 Yeah, everything remake. in that generation got... Uh, they didn't do, it wasn't a full remake, but it was not up, definitely an upgrade. That yeah, was, that was like the period where uh, Code Veronica was the gold standard. Yep. What yeah. a time. Oh, the days. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this, look, one thing about... Resident, the Resident Evil 2 remake and this remake that drives me bonkers is the inventory. There's, it's still insane. So I was at a point where I had no health left. My inventory was full, and I didn't want to drop anything. Um, I had a red herb. There's a green herb sitting on the street. And I was like, why can't I just pick up that green herb, combine it with my red herb that's in my inventory, and take it and have full health? And I couldn't. 
You should be able to. I've done that in Resident Evil 2. I just you played can't. It. You can't put anything down in this game. You can't. If they tell you a message. You maybe even we'll see it in this B-roll. If you go to put something down, it even a message even pops up that says, "If you put this down, it's gone." Oh no, not but put it down. Two, but you can you auto could, combine. You could. Yeah, pick, you, you, in two, you could pick up something and like instantly like choose to combine it with something in the inventory. Did you try that? Um, I don't know actually. Because the game allows you to do that. So like, if you if your inventory is full and you picked up that you had a green herb in your inventory, you picked up a red herb, you can just put them together and have it have the combination be in your inventory. Well, look, we're seeing it right now actually. Well, that was just me combining bullets with a gun. Sorry. Um, I thought I thought for sure though I was unable. I was stuck. I was like in this corner where I, there were zombies around and I had literally no health left and I had. The ability, based upon the stuff in my inventory and sitting next to me, to absolutely get health, and it, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't get it to work. Okay. Um, but I think, that, you know, the inventory for you is not your favorite, but I, in my mind, I think that's what makes the survival horror part of the game really well done, because you can't carry everything. Like, if you were able to carry everything, then the game would be really easy. You could stockpile on all the bullets you want. You can stockpile but see, on but all no, the bullets no, no, you no, want. But no, 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 That's not how it works. If you do that with that in mind, then you redesign the rest of the game around it. Yeah, but they, I think they're trying to stick with what the original was, and that mm-hmm. is something that is a staple in the original. And my it, point is, is it, that a part of the original that sucks? True. And so, but I think, yeah, but I think th- you could definitely argue that that is not Resident Evil if you change that. And I say that as someone who doesn't like Resident Evil very much. And I, and I could say in the, That's silly. In, the second, in the second game that they remade, they did expand your storage pace throughout the game. So they did ways, they found ways to make it easier for players that didn't like that as much. Well, like, for instance, I got the shotgun. I don't know if you found the shotgun in the demo, but I, I did, did. And it takes up two slots. And I literally, I had no room for the shotgun. I had to drop something to pick up the shotgun. And then the good news was, like, the pliers that they give you that breaks the chains... Like, I moved a little bit forward, and then apparently I cut the last chain that I needed to use that for. And so they do let you discard that because it tells you, like, you don't need to use this again. So then I had the spot available, and then I had to go back to where the shotgun was and then pick up the shotgun. Like, it's just archaic and dumb. I I mean, you can make excuses and say that's what Resident Evil is or what. It's dumb. It makes no sense whatsoever. Um, And, again, I just want people to know that if it really bothered them in old RE games or in RE2 – that inventory management is still a gigantic part of this. And to me, I think... Also, zombies are in it, just so you know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Awkward inventory management is basically a staple of survival horror. Like, that's what these games are. Like, it's one of the reasons I don't like them. Like, it's because that's all that is. But I I would never think you should change it because then you're making a different game. See, Um, to me, survival horror is you don't have an infinite clip. It's like you are, have a very limited amount of ammo, and you have to make sure that every shot counts. Because if you don't, and you, you, and die. you have a very limited inventory. Like that's part of it. Like I think Resident Evil Four found the the best balance of that, um, both in terms of like giving you an inventory space that was adequate, and then giving you control over being able to expand it. Yep. And sort of it had that sort of Diablo piece piece it together like a jigsaw puzzle thing, so you can kind of cleverly get around some of the inventory problems. Uh, two and three weren't there yet, so that. But that's just something I expect from these games. Like that's one of the reasons I am not particularly interested in playing this remake. So yeah, it's. But I don't know. I mean, as someone who likes the games, maybe Mitch has a different opinion on whether the inventory should be how it is or not. 
I, I would agree with you to say that Resident Evil 4 probably did the perfect way to handle that kind of system. If you're going to do that system, that's the way to handle it. Um, here with, you know, it's very so similar to RE2 Remake that, yeah, Shane, if you didn't like RE2 Remake, you're definitely not going to like this game. Um, I know people uh, have issues with Nemesis because of Mr. X was such a big issue for people. And uh, so I don't see them liking it if they didn't like RE2. Yeah. Um, I think what, one thing we should say just kind of to get it out there is that Resident Evil 3, the original game, is not as good as Resident Evil 2. Resident Evil 2, for 20-plus years, has been considered the gold standard for the old-school Resident Evil games. And then RE3, considered a good game, but not quite up to the same level as Resident Evil 2. Um, I think that's a pretty universally held opinion as far as those two games are concerned. So, to be fair, Capcom is starting with what I believe is a lesser product in this case... Um, but at the same time, that to me means that they need to maybe focus on it a little bit more to improve it in some ways. Um, but look, I did enjoy playing through this demo, um, and I did enjoy Resident Evil 2 a whole lot. In fact, it was very close to being Game of the Year um, when it was all said and done, which was shocking to me at the end of the year that I even had to consider it uh, in that way. But because of just the way last year played out, it was right up there with some of the other games. So... Um, I think maybe I would recommend that people lower their expectations a little bit for the RE3 remake, especially after coming off the stellar RE2 remake. I, I, would, I would agree with you. And I think for context history-wise, actually RE3 Nemesis was actually not supposed to be Resident Evil 3. Code Veronica was supposed to be Resident Evil 3. So they made that one very last minute, uh, threw in the dodge mechanic in there and a little bit more of the action type combat system uh, so that they are starting with a not great product so i am a little impressed of what they've done so far but that does give them a lot of wiggle room to change a lot in this game to maybe make it better yeah i mean i, I can tell already from playing what i played so far that this is going to be a better game than the original I, I can tell you that already um as far as the contrivances and annoyances of survival horror that some people love, some people hate, they're there. You know, a lot of the things that maybe drove you crazy about the old Resident Evil games, they're going to be in here just like they were in the RE2 remake. Uh, but if you played the RE2 remake and you loved it, you're going to you're gonna really enjoy RE3. Um, probably maybe not as much because they're working from uh, from a base that's not quite as good. But, you know, it's it's still going to be a quality product. Obviously, visually, it's a huge upgrade. And I don't even think comparing it to the old game to the new one even does it justice. Like, it's just a flat-out great-looking game, period, um, no matter what you're comparing it to. Um, I don't know. I had a lot of fun with it. It didn't last very long, but it was encouraging. And the game's coming pretty soon. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I would recommend uh, people definitely look at this for a full purchase. What about you, Matt? Resident Evil 3? Yeah. Um, I'm going to skip it. Entirely. Uh, I don't plan on playing it immediately, no. Could they do anything to this old survival horror formula that would maybe convince you to give it a go? Uh, well, they did once. It was called Resident Evil 4. Yeah. Um, <laughs> basically, yeah. you can make it Resident Evil 4, but with Nemesis, I guess. I don't know. Like, But I don't think you've made Resident Evil 3 at that point. Yeah. Um, I am entirely content to let other people play and enjoy these games. They are not for me. I barely tolerated them back in the day, and now I just find them archaic. What about you, Mitch? You're all in. You're a huge RE fan. You're going to recommend it for everyone, right? 
Well, I'm, I'll recommend it for people that like Resident Evil. If you don't like it, I'm not going to recommend it to you because, you know, this this series is polarizing because of the type of game it is with the inventory management system, with the combat, you know. I think they did a little bit more to help streamline and make, you know, you can walk and shoot now in this game compared to in the past games. They, the dodge mechanics a little bit more useful in situations. So I think they do some things to make it more accessible for people. But you're, if you don't like it, you're not going to like it, to be honest. Yeah, it, it definitely doesn't reinvent the wheel at all. <laughs> yeah. And two, I got annoyed very quickly that, like, I understand, like, you have limited ammo. That's part of the survival horror element. I just felt like I was shooting nerf darts at these things. Like, just, they, it was, it felt so pointless to shoot anything the same thing happened to me in this one yeah i mean so it has the same kind of dynamic reticle where you know when you first aim at an enemy the reticle is really big and then if you keep your aim on a specific object it gets tighter which is supposed to designate to you squeeze the damn trigger it's it's on the spot that you're shooting at i mean you saw on some of that footage that we just showed you guys like i shot some of those zombies five six times in the head before they would drop so uh, Matt, I don't think they've addressed your concerns for this one, unfortunately. No, I, I didn't expect them to, really. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess the best way I could put what my experiences with playing this demo is it was pretty much exactly what I thought it was going to be. Not many upgrades from the old survival horror template, but just an absolutely gorgeous game. High on tension, uh, interlocking level design, uh, lots of secrets to uncover. Uh, that was something that did kind of catch me off guard. I didn't remember that about the original was how there were so many little pathways and buildings that you could go into that didn't have really a tie into the main quest or the main goal that you're trying to achieve, but would help you find, you know, extra health or extra ammo, things like that. Uh, Ammo is at a premium in this, and you can tell by the way they place them in the game. Sometimes you have to fight two zombies just to get another clip. Um, So that's kind of what you're dealing with with uh, this. And again, that was kind of what you're dealing with in RE2. Uh, What are your closing thoughts, Mitch? Um. Well, the only thing I'd say to you guys is, you know, sometimes the headshot's not the best shot. Like, sometimes just shooting them in the leg just to get by them is what you need to do for ammo conservation. So I think they do some strategies in that way you can try. But, you know, I liked it. And, you know, I'm not hyped about this as I maybe was of RE2 because RE3 wasn't an amazing game. But at this time in the in the drought we were in in games, I'll take anything you can throw at me. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed playing the demo. Um, I made it through. I think. I, and the other thing too about this demo was that there were checkpoints. So if you died, you didn't have to start it all over. If you remember the RE2 demo that they put out, like you had one life and you had to try to get through it, and you had to keep playing it over and over. This one, if you died, there was a checkpoint that it would put you at. Um, and so I ended up finishing the demo after one. I think I died once or twice. Um, so it wasn't that difficult even. Uh, and you can manipulate enemies in this. Like you saw at the end there whenever I was trying to get away from Nemesis. At one point, he kept drag- grabbing me and throwing me down. So I just walked down the stairs and then turned around and started walking up the other side of the stairs. And that was enough that I could get away because he had to think and be like, oh, i got to walk down the stairs and then turn around and walk up. Um, so And that is something to me that's kind of intrinsic of older games. Um, and some people may like that. But it's definitely not something you would see in most modern games. So Wait, so Nemesis never, like, shot up in front of you like that? Go like, back and watch the end of the B-roll there where I'm getting away from Nemesis. 
Like, he just keeps wailing on me, and I keep getting knocked down. And then I just run down the stairs, get to the bottom of the stairs, hook a U-turn, and run back up the stairs. And that's ultimately how I get away from him. I think he gets me one more time after that. But Because yeah. sometimes if you do that, he actually will take his tentacles and shoot up in front of you and cut you off. Yeah. Well, you can see in the, in the B-roll that that was not the case. But anyway, again, just something that's typically in older games that you don't see in a lot of new games. Um because in a lot of ways, those old games, they didn't really assign AI to enemies. It was more just like, here's the path you need to follow. And if an enemy gets in X number of radius with you, then this is what you do. Um, and in modern games, that's not really how enemies are built these days. Um, so, again, it's, it's you know, a lot of it's going to depend on what you like in games and what you kind of look for in games. But, again, I think if you have played the RE2 remake, you have a good idea of what to expect from the RE3 remake. All right, let's move on. We're talking next about PlayStation 5. Uh, They have really been lagging behind Xbox as far as announcing new details for PlayStation 5. Um, And some would argue that, you know, maybe they've kind of got lapped by Microsoft in a lot of ways. Well, they tried to remedy that last week when they did a live stream, which wasn't live at all, called Road to PlayStation 5. Um, And as it turned out, it was... (laughs) Mark Cerny, who you're seeing right now, standing in front of a green screen um, and giving a PowerPoint presentation about the PlayStation 5 hardware. That's what it was. Uh, There was no audience there, even though they had like a weird fake audience overlay. Um, It was just him in a room with a green screen giving a PowerPoint presentation. They were just very still, Shane. Yes, they they just never moved. (laughs) They're all frozen in time. they They were that fascinated. And look, we know why it was this way, and that's because this presentation was originally intended for GDC. Uh, GDC was canceled due to coronavirus, COVID-19. And so instead of reworking the presentation, knowing that there would be a different audience for this now, they just went with the original presentation they were going to give at GDC. Do you guys think that was a good idea, first of all, before we get into kind of the, the details of all the stuff they announced? I mean, I don't think it mattered. Um... You might as well, you did the work on the presentation, you might as well present it one way or the other. Um, this way more people get to see it. You get to see what a GDC presentation looks like. A lot of people were upset that it wasn't some kind of flashy, like, you know, commercial, but uh, that's not what these things are. Yeah, um, yeah I, I get that, Matt, but, but it's not GDC. GDC was canceled. This, is, this became the first presentation of the tech specs to the consumer. And nah, so, it's the first presentation of the tech specs to the developers, and the consumers got to watch it. That None is of not it true, matter. Matt. He and, says in the presentation that he has been on the road and has visited 150 developers. This is not – this was not for the – I saw that excuse all over the internet. It's, fa- it's false. He, well, then why were they doing it at GDC? Maybe to reach a couple indie guys? I don't know. But you can, if you watch the presentation, he talks about it. He's like, I'm worn out. I've been on the road for the last, like – 10 weeks giving these presentations to 150 different studios. No, he didn't say that. He said he went on the road to ask developers what they want for the next console, not to tell them this information. Yeah, this is new information to the developers outside of, like, high-level stuff. Uh, I don't don't know know where you got that. Because he said it. I promise. You know, he was not giving this presentation to developers around the country. He was talking to them about what they wanted out of it. That's what he's talking about. But but they have dev kits already. They know what's in it. Yeah, but not everybody does. Right. So this is for the uh, people that don't have a dev kit. But if you think he know. went and visited with 150 developers and didn't tell them what was going to be in the machine, that's insane. That's exactly well, why he, he went. It wasn't, 
it wasn't like that. It was he was trying to kind of, what do you want us to get out of this? What do you want the goals to be? And this was sort of the presentation that wraps up. This is what we've gotten. This is what we took all the, the feedback in. This is what we've managed to accomplish. And this is what you're going to be looking forward to. I guess kind of in an idealized situation, because a lot of this seemed like it seemed like you were talking about a lot of the stuff that was being developed in house first party for things. I don't know how, I don't know how well some of like what he talked about is going to translate to a multi-platform title, because if you're not optimizing it for this architecture specifically, it may not be worth your time. You might just want to lean on the, the excess power of this thing and make it work. Okay. As opposed to like what, what the presentation said to me overall was like the first party Sony stuff is going to be astounding. Yeah. And the multi-platform stuff is going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, like, it- but it's going to it's going to be that thing where it's like uncharted 5 or whatever is going to look like something else. It's going to be Spider-Man 2 is going to outdo most of the other games on the system just by virtue of being an exclusive developed in-house by a first-party Sony company. Um cuz this thing look, it's, but it's, it's not it's not cell processor weird, but it is weird. It's, like, yeah. No, you're right. It's on. you're right. It's not quite PS3 levels where you're like you're asking developers to kind of completely flip the script on how they're making games for other platforms, but you are asking them to do extra stuff. Mm-hmm. For, to take full for, advantage of what it can do, there's extra work to be done. Right. Whereas on Despite Xbox Series X, yeah, and on Xbox Series X, that is not the case. Um, you just have the raw horsepower there just available. Um, and mm-hmm. I think you may see the same thing where, like Matt said, first party PS5 stuff is going to blow your hair back. And we may be in another case where third party wise, it's back to Xbox as far as people buying a console to play third-party stuff because it, at least initially, my guess is, out of the gate, third-party stuff's probably going to look better on Series X. I think the raw horsepower of Series X is probably going to translate into that, yeah. Because it's much easier. I don't think this is as far behind as we think. Like This is a p- powerful piece of hardware, and they're doing some interesting tricks that I think are going to help even if you don't optimize it. It's going to be closer than I think I believed originally oh i don't think there is any difference at all i think you will have games on ps5 that look as good as the best games on xbox series x um they have decided to and we're actually perfect timing i think it's just like it's just gonna run by default probably multi-platform stuff will run better on series x i agree that's exactly what i but i think if you really want to write to the metal on this thing you'll be able to get output that looks as good as anything on series x but it's going to take a little bit more work or Um, better I would or not better, be it could. Better. Everybody's just looking at the raw specs. And look, this is, to me, this is a huge mistake on PlayStation's part. It should know just as well as anyone else that when you put out those specs, that that chart is going to be used all over the internet. And all people are doing right now is saying, well, the Xbox Series X is 12 teraflops. The PlayStation 5 is 10.2 teraflops or whatever. But that doesn't tell the story of the PlayStation 5 because the way they've constructed the architecture of this machine, it allows all the different components to talk to each other much more quickly, uh, which allows Mm -hmm. it to send information back and forth, which is a huge bottleneck for most hardware. So I fully believe that you're going to see games on PS5 that look every bit as good, if not better, than Xbox Series X stuff. But I do think that most third-party stuff is probably going to look better on Series X because it's just this raw beast that you can you know what you can throw at it right away um and they're gonna throw it all at it right away and i feel like over time a lot like with the playstation 3 developers are gonna get better at working with it they're gonna have their libraries build up and i think that gap will close over time with third-party stuff 
But I think out of the gate, there's going to be a pretty obvious difference. It seems likely, although I do think like the conversation around the specs and the stats from the enthusiast community, it's real obvious that they don't know what they're talking about. Like no developer talks about teraflops. I know. Yeah, None but it's them, all it does, it the families matter. talk about. It means nothing. It really it does. Mean, it's like yeah. the way you calculate it, uh, calculate it varies from processor to processor, from configuration to configuration. There's no direct comparison between these two things because of how they're working. And like no developer I know is saying that the teraflop thing matters in the slightest. They're, they're talking about optimization and knowing the hardware. I did think it was interesting that they uh, that the they, uh, we're we're back the same way the Xbox is. We're back with the okay. You got to be careful about what hard drive you get if you want to expand this thing. Yep. To the point that Cerny literally said, "Don't buy any SSDs yet. We will tell you which SSDs work with this thing when the time comes." Yeah. So don't um, go which out. I and... thought was I thought was very interesting. But the good news is is that external SSD drives from third parties are going to be a thing. They're not yet. Don't go out and buy one yet. Um, they're going yeah. to officially license them through third parties, so there'll probably be like a little PS5 logo on the external drives when they've been made specifically for PS5. Uh, so there don't go out and buy like one. That, but, he, but he did say that you know non-branded third-party ones, there will be some that work. But it also sounded like they need them to be of a certain speed, yep. and that those those drives of a certain speed are not really plentiful yet. So we got to wait until later this year when that would be more plentiful. And he talked about how. I'll, there's no standard height to these drives, so they have to figure out which models are sh- like short enough to fit in the slot. Yep. Like he talked about how there's a bunch of them that would be fast enough, but they're too tall to fit in the PS5. Um, so yeah, I, and I can't wait for when they announce which ones those are, and they all disappear from Amazon in five minutes. Yeah, and then you have to buy one on eBay for like triple the price or whatever. That's, yep. That's probably what's going to happen. Um, the big, I think what really bothered people the most, because I think most people kind of understand that teraflops aren't like bits used to be back in like the 2d days, um, or the first 3d console obviously was 64 bit, but it, I think people get that that's kind of an apples to oranges comparison. I think where most people are really upset is the way PlayStation five is going to handle backwards compatibility. So when they first talked about it in this presentation, basically Mark Cerny said that, you know, the biggest PS4 games will be playable on backwards compatibility. And I think he set up to, like, 100 at first. No, that's, see, that's another thing that people are not, mis- they're misinterpreting. Um, thousands of PS4 games will be playable at launch. The 100 he's talking about are the ones that they're going in and specifically tweaking and doing a thing the way Xbox does to make them enhanced, to add, like, enhancements that make them run better and, and noticeably improve. Like, that's what they're after. So you're saying um, so that like, every game is going to be backwards compatibility, every PS4. He said the vast majority of the of the PS4 library will be backwards compatible. The thing he was talking about at launch is they are looking, because they can do all the things to tweak one, tweak one a game and make it run better, make it look better, mess with the HDR on them and that kind of thing, and not have to touch the game code, just like Xbox do, has done this generation. He was saying they were taking a look at the top 100 PlayStation 4 games as the ones to focus on to do that with. He not, was not trying to say that only those top 100 will run on the PS5 at launch. That is not what he said. But everybody seems to have taken that as what he said, which is weird. Well, the problem was it was confusing because he said one thing in the presentation and then everybody freaked out. And then like either the next day or two days later, 
Then PlayStation was like, no, 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 no. It, there's a ton of games well, that are going to work on PS5. Well, here's the thing is I watched that presentation live, and I did not come away from it thinking that, and I was surprised when people were saying that. I'm like, I don't know where you got that idea. He didn't say it like tremendously clearly, but it's clearly what he said, and then just like, no one went back and watched it, and Sony had to clarify. Um, the thing I was curious about is what about PlayStation 1 through 3? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, exactly. Are they leaning exactly. entirely on PS now? Are they going, yeah. you know, they're talking about putting the disc in and making it work. He kept referring to the Emotion Engine backwards compatibility in PS3, but then he never went any further to elucidate on whether that's going to be a thing in the new one. Because he kept talking about once you get the emulation working in the hardware, it's just a matter of sticking the disc in and it works. And I'm like, cool. Did you figure this cell processor out, yeah. dude? Like, they're, that's they're, not to. To. they're not going to. And the problem is the cell I processor. Like, sure he wants to. I think he wants I'm to. I'm sure he does. He's a, tech, he's a tech nerd who like would consider that like a personal challenge. It, well, one, it's really difficult. And two, the big problem is is that the PS3, the that is the key to getting everything else to work. Because obviously the PlayStation 3 was backwards compatibility back to the beginning. Um, and I think that... Yeah, if you can re-emulate a PS3 that has the, like a fat, like you right, got it. Right. And I think it's just really freaking hard. Um, and again, Ken Kudaragi sure. still burning PlayStation all these years later with the architecture <laughs> he decided on for PS. It's insane. It's something that's going to hurt PlayStation forever. That they ha- he put out this one console that was a complete beast, but also a beast to work with. Um, and I mean, it- I guess you could argue that that's what PlayStation Now is for, for yeah. PS3 games, but like... <laughs> It would be way better if you could just take it, take the discs you own and stick them in and play them, obviously. Absolutely. I bet, I'm sure Cerny would like to do that. I wonder if they will ever get there, though. I highly doubt it. I mean, just based upon the messaging that was in that presentation and what came later, it doesn't even sound like that's really even something they're striving for. It sounds like they're just hoping that they can get all PS4 games to go to run on PS5, and then they're going to call it a day. Um, I don't know about that, but I do think focusing on bringing the PS4 library forward is the correct move right now. Yeah, and, you don't want people to feel like they're go they're leaving anything behind on this thing. Yeah, um, and you can play backwards compatibility games from external drives on PS5, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can load up an external drive with all of your old stuff and just have it on your PS5, and you can just play stuff from that. It does not sound like you'll be able to play PS5 games from an external though, much like Series no, you X. Cannot. Yeah, it'll have to be installed on the machine. You have itself. to trans. You have to. You can store them there, so you don't have to re-download them. But you have to transfer them back to the internal SSD to play them. Now, the other thing I would say about this in general is that backwards compatibility has never really moved the needle. It, it's not been. People love to talk about it, and people get pissed off if it's not exactly how they want it. But when the rubber hits the road, typically it doesn't really matter. When people go to buy a console. It appears that backwards compatibility is very low on their list because, one, we saw mm. that survey that said it was really low on the list. And, two, we saw the PlayStation 3 flounder out of the gate when it was backwards compatibility all the way back to the beginning of PlayStation. So, and, of course, price had a little, little bit to do that with that. Price is a thing. big deal. I think the backwards – I do think it's gaining momentum. Like, Agreed. Xbox One has definitely had more backwards compatibility and had more people playing backwards compatible stuff than I think any other console before it. Um, and I think the fact that you can play these old games with minimal or no charge is like a big deal. Yeah. And I think the fact that they look better and run better, like the fact you can just stick Red Dead Redemption's disc in and play a better version of Red Dead Redemption on an Xbox One, that's a big deal to people. Yep. Um, that's the key. 
is to make it a you know the opposite of the Nintendo approach, where they want you to buy everything every generation over and over again. Um, although Nintendo seems to be kind of remedying that to some degree with the online subscription gets you five Super NES games a year thing. Um, <laughs> but I think it, I don't think it's a selling point really. But I do think. Um, like in terms of like PS1 through 3 games, but I do think it's a selling point to say you buy this absurdly expensive new console in this year where the economy is clearly not going to do particularly well for the foreseeable future, and even if you can't afford to buy another game, and with a PlayStation 5 that matters more because there's no Game Pass subscription that comes with it, Right. Um, you then get to say, like, well, all your other games that you already have for PS4 are going to look better and play better, and you can just play them on this thing, and and, and you can play all the, all your favorites again. Spider-Man will look even better and load instantly. It'll be great. That isn't nothing. I don't think it's going to push anyone over to to a purchase, but it's going to help. Yeah, I mean, it's um, a nice so extra benefit for sure. A uh, couple other we things. We still need to see the launch lineup. You know, that's the key. That's, you know, we yeah. don't know what we're buying this thing for. No, yet. you're right. They, although they, they did say game betas will be coming before the end of the year, uh, which is nice. I don't know what, obviously, other than Godfall, I don't know what we're talking about there. But he did say that there'll be demos yeah. before the end of the year. Uh, the other other couple things that he mentioned was uh, power efficiency. Uh, he, he made a joke about how loud the fans were when you played uh, God of War on the PS4, which I appreciated. And then... Tempest 3D audio. He it was like literally like a third of the presentation was about audio. He was really big on the 3D audio. Which like, all it's the audio awesome, devs, but... I know we're happy about that, but it seems like a weird thing to lean on that hard, particularly in your first presentation. And that's really what I want to get to. Was shouldn't this presentation have been done like with developers? Like you set up a private live stream, you invite all the developers to watch, and look, they need this information. They want this information. But for the consumer, which is what this was, this was marketed to everyone. This wasn't some little thing where they're like, this is a developer's only thing. It was, you know, they set up a premiere on YouTube, so we all got an alert like a day before it started, and there was a countdown for it. And then it's just this very dry, unexciting... I mean, if you... I think Why you is have Dana to, Carvey talking about chipsets? Yeah, but I think you'd have to try really hard to make a less interesting presentation around the PlayStation 5. Something that should be very exciting, should get people excited, it should be fun, and instead we're looking at like what we're looking at right now. Main custom chip, crack and decompression, dedicated DMA controller, two I.O. processors, on-chip... They don't eh, care about this... It doesn't cra- matter. It, I mean, it does matter. matter. You can see the sentiment on the internet. It was awful. And it will translate into absolutely nothing. People I, will I not know. refuse to buy a PS5 because of this presentation. It's just a thing that Sony let us see because GDC got canceled. And it's like, we're going to do this thing online. If you want to see it, you can see it. It's not really for us, but like it's extra information. And we know something more than we did before. Um, obviously, the real first contact with the consumer base is going to be when they show actual, you know, games. Um, but this is just a little extra thing that happened because GDC got canceled. In the end, it doesn't matter. Almost the, the you know ninety percent of the of the consumer base that will buy or not buy a PS Five will never even know this happened. Um, and, well, they won't you know, know what happened, the but they'll talk to people who did know what happened, who now have a somewhat more negative opinion of PlayStation Five. Who, uh, if you have a negative opinion of PS5 off of this thing, you're out of your mind. I, like, there's, I there's agree with you, Matt, neg- but you know there are peop- many people out there that this that absolutely happened. That, 
I'm, I'm, I think many is an exaggeration in terms of impact on the millions of people that make these things commercial successes, and I don't think it matters. Word of mouth on this is not going to be strong enough to matter when you start seeing Spider-Man 2 and Horizon 2 and maybe Godfall. I don't know. I, I, whatever, whatever games they're going to launch this thing with, like, but that's going to take over the conversation by the time they finally show those things, I assume, in June. And uh, and no one will ever worry about Mark's journey boring them again. And they'll just be worried about Knack 3 and how awesome that's going to be. So basically, you know, so basically you're coming. saying influencers don't matter anymore. The evangelists I'm don't matter influ- anymore. I'm saying that with this much lead time before when this thing launches, if it even launches this year, a slightly unimpressive GDC presentation that was live streamed on YouTube in March, not going to make any difference. I don't know, man. I think times are different now, Matt. I think you have YouTubers out there that just shredded this thing, and they have five, think, five million followers. And those kids, they believe everything these people say. Like, I think They're it absolutely makes more they, of a difference they, now than it ever did. Absolutely not. They, they are going to forget every single negative thing those YouTubers said as soon as they see the games they want. Because the games matter. The games matter more than anything Mark Cerny could ever tell you on a boring live stream. I agree with that a billion times, but I think I think you're underestimating the power of influencers today. I think, I think you you're really overestimating are. the power of people on the internet to remember shit. <laughs> Especially in today's time. The I problem mean, I, is that YouTuber will make 20 videos about it where he harps on it over and over because people keep watching yeah, it. Well, at the same time, Jim Sterling does that every week. And does anyone have a union at a video game developer? No. Like it doesn't matter. Like you can you can create a lot of signal and noise ratio, but like it does it matter when someone goes to Best Buy and is thinking about buying this thing? Of course not, because people want to play Spider-Man too. And I think uh, adding to what Matt's saying, in a sense, is you know I think people might have gotten a little bit more upset about this situation because of last time they revealed the PlayStation Four, they did a combination of this. But then they showed games. And I think if games were shown, I think people's times would have changed in regards to their perception of how this actually went. Well, yeah, of course. Think, that's what I, we're talking about. They chose think, not to show games. But, but it's exactly think, what we're talking about. I know, about. but I think the, the thing that's different that <laughs> I not, liked about they're this. They're not showing games because they weren't ready. That's not what this presentation was. And I think Wait, that, I didn't realize that there was a – I didn't realize – I didn't get the memo of what this was supposed to be. Where did I miss that? I didn't get the email. It's a GDC talk that does not present games because that's not what the presentation was for. And I think like, that's people, not what they were showing us. I, I think people also set up what they thought this thing was going to be. And when they got there and they said, hey, we're telling you exactly what we're going to tell you. We're not going to show games. We're going to tell you about the hardware. They set the expectation for you. It's, it's people that wanted to have this be the big reveal to show the console to show the games that's not what this was meant to be and i think how do you know what it was meant to be because it's GDC. because it's a gdc talk that Who? mark cerny was giving about the hardware like what do you i don't know yeah, what do you, you expect from on this what i just because it's a gdc talk that doesn't mean anything sure it's going to be focused towards the developers that doesn't mean that they can or cannot show something that has nothing but to they do showed with it. plenty they, they what did they show off, they showed off they showed a bunch of no, slides no, they showed off how they're going to push games forward. They are showing how you're going to experience games differently in a new generation of hardware besides visual. They showed off 3D audio, which in Mark Cerny's example, where he's like, you're playing dead, uh, 
Oh, I forgot the game now. Dead uh, Space. Dead Space, thank you. You're playing Dead Space, and all of a sudden you can pinpoint the exact location of the creature and take it out. That, that's, dude, that's, I, that's, I, dude well, I've been doing crazy. that for like 15 years. Yeah, but <laughs> you have it's. it sounds like it's much more precise, which could completely change your experience in games. It, it won't. Which is something <laughs> that, I mean, we'll wait to see, but I think that's something that, you know, when I played Senua's Sacrifice, that audio is completely different than any audio I've ever experienced. And if I can get something better than that... It all depends on what you have. It, that's, if, you, if you have a great surround sound system, it's going to sound 3D. If you have two speakers, they're going to try to fake it. It's probably not going to work. Well, they recommend headphones for the game, so I played it in headphones. So I, the audio in that was amazing. And, I, and not, hearing that they were going to push audio as something for the future made me interested in this console a little bit more and now seeing the tech and understanding hey people have profiles you have to figure out if it's going to work for you all that kind of stuff you know it does as a hardware make it more interesting than just saying oh you get the best graphics like okay well what are you going to do to change the game experience for me like vr is in a sense I didn't feel like they delivered any of that. I feel like they did. I think what? they definitely did. And how? How? Did. What way? Well, in the way that, like, I came away. Look, I turned it off before it was over because the audio stuff bored me. Um, but, like, I came away from that being like, oh, that's a lot of cool, weird hardware tricks that I'll never have to worry about because I'm not a game developer. But, like, I understand how that could translate into, like, advantages in how the games work and how they play. I just... You know, just I'll just wait around until they show us some stuff that actually does it, takes advantage of it. I mean, I see what the groundwork he was laying was for that and trying to give developers an idea of like, this is what you could accomplish. Like, we don't you don't have to wait for the thing to load this stuff in anymore. You can load basically the entire game in instantly. It changes how you design levels. You don't need to have people walk down hallways anymore to have big, you know, big reveals and stuff. Like, like there were there were plenty, I think, of examples given of, of kind of how that would work. It's just they didn't show anything physically in front of you because they didn't have the games ready to show yet, or they weren't planning on doing it yet. Um, like, it didn't damage my opinion of any of this at all. Like, I don't need to be, like, coddled like it didn't that me either i'm not talking so, about me i'm talking about the people who the rest of the consumers who watched it and the youtubers who most, watched it and then went and made a, a video that five million people watch where he says it's crap it's not as powerful as xbox series x and blah 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 well clearly he didn't well, listen it matter as soon as spider-man 2 shows up the games matter the, what they're doing with this matters and none of this will be a factor when it comes time in november presumably unless these things the consoles slip to next year which is a real possibility at this point. Um, it won't. You know, no one's gonna like look at like Horizon Two and be like, "Well, yeah, but that audio thing that Mark Cerny said was really boring seven months ago." It's like it's just not a factor. It doesn't matter. Like, no, sure what matters, matters is the specs like, that came out of this. That's what matters, and that's what's gonna be plastered all over the internet for the next seven months. The side by side comparison of Xbox Series X against PlayStation Five. But my question would be then to you, Shane, is clearly they don't have twelve teraflops. They got ten point two. I thought they handled it well by explaining, hey, you don't need twelve, but here's No, what no, it no. Does. They did a terrible job of explaining it. I they, thought they Nobody did it. got I, it. I understood it, but they're not gonna look at nobody that. got not, it. That's not gonna get clicks. The clicks is gonna be 12 against 10. Doesn't matter what the what the actual number really means. That's just the number and it's more than something else. That's all they're going for. And wait, wait, people wait, wait, just wait. I'm not following that. your I'm not following your the logic of what you're saying. 
Is that you're, you're talking about the YouTubers posting these videos after they see that it's clearly 12 against 10 and posting it about, oh, it's weaker, it's crappier, all that kind of stuff. Well, they clearly they didn't listen to the presentation where it clearly states, this is where you're getting the power from. We can divert extra power to here. So it gets you to about this performance, but you're not going to use that full performance. I think he explained it really well for the lack of power that it's going to have. But I think he spent a long enough. time trying to explain it to people who won't understand a word that he said. For me, that never understood the difference between teraflops. It worked for me. I finally understood what it actually meant. I you think you can go back and look on my Twitter feed, and you can see that everybody was thinking exactly what I'm saying. Everybody was like, "It's not." I had to go on my feed and explain to people that the pipelines inside the PlayStation 5 basically nullify the extra teraflops. It's again, just the fact. They, it's the way they, people took it. But they don't care, and that's that's their. They problem. do care. They <laughs> the people that interacted with me absolutely cared. No, but they don't care. They won't to care, look into and it, it won't matter. And it's a it's a non issue. It's a red herring because if the teraflops mattered, everybody would have to return their switch now because it sucks because it's too too weak. Like the games. Well, the matter. switch is the a handheld, will, will, which is something it offers that matter. others don't. Doesn't matter. The games will eclipse. It does everything, matter. Any, all this stuff. It doesn't matter. The None Switch being matters. a handheld doesn't matter. It matters in terms of appeal to people who want to play it that way, but you know what's more important is the fact that Zelda was on it when it came out. That was the important part. What, the power of it wasn't... The, 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 Zelda didn't even run very well. It doesn't matter. Like People want to play the games, and that's what's going to matter in the end. Assuming the PlayStation 5 has a decent launch lineup, which we don't know yet. It might just be Godfall and a bunch of Tetris clones. Like Who knows? And Knack 3. I think how but, this happened, um, I think it just has more weight now, particularly with the economy right now in the toilet. Um, I feel like people are going to be thinking long and hard about these purchase decisions. I think it matters. I think it absolutely matters. It won't matter when the games are shown. I don't think what's it would have mattered who, 10 years ago. What's gonna, no, it's what's going to matter is who has the launch lineup. And that might well be Xbox because they've got Halo. I don't know what, what PlayStation's got up its sleeve on that. I mean, if you're going to make me choose one or the other uh, come November and I've got a limited budget... Like, I might well pick the what I perceive to be not necessarily the more powerful system, but the system that automatically seems to run the multi-platform stuff better. And I will worry about getting a PlayStation 5 when a PlayStation exclusive I desperately can't live without is is comes along next year sometime. You know what I mean? Um, or maybe I, I mean, what happens? want to play Last of Us 2 with better HDR. Like, I don't know what they're going to do with that, yeah. with, like, you know, up, upping the, the – maybe Ghost of Tsushima is going to look amazing on this thing, and I want to play it again five months later who knows but like what i'm saying is like i think the main difference is going to be what are the games what do i want to play right now even though i definitely want a playstation 5 and i will buy a playstation 5 do i need it right now are you going to give me an exclusive this year on the playstation 5 that i cannot afford to not play so what happens as a, as a giant gamer? so what happens when we get the first look at a multi-platform game and the xbox series x version looks obviously better I don't know that it will. See, what I don't know I'm, if it will I, either. I, I'm just this is just hypothetical. I think it's going to be more of a runs better thing. You know what I mean? Like the way the way that 360 and the PS3 were, were like side by side. You couldn't necessarily tell the difference, but as soon as you played them side by side, you could tell the 360 ran a little smoother. Right. So let's uh, assume that happens. A little faster. What then? What? Um, I don't know. Like, I don't. I don't think that makes as big a difference as you, you don't think, think people will start pointing consumer. back and be like, "It's 12 versus 10. It all makes sense." They might, but that doesn't matter because they're wrong. Uh, all that's going to matter is the games. 
and the perception of what's on them. And does the biggest question between the two here that doesn't matter about teraflops, it doesn't matter about anything like that, doesn't matter about it. the two things that matter the most. What is the price? Is the price the same or is one cheaper than the other? And does Halo still have that kind of leverage? And there is a chance. In comparison to whatever PlayStation puts up against it. There actually is a chance that the PlayStation 5 is a little bit cheaper. That was going to be my other question is because it's yeah. lower power, do you think the cheap being it, selling itself as a cheaper would be a smart idea? Uh, well, yeah. I think selling yourself as cheaper is always a smart idea. It doesn't matter. Yeah, being cheaper is definitely going to be a smart idea here if you can do it. I just don't know if... I think that PlayStation is going to have to go first on price, and I think Microsoft is just going to match them. No matter what. Yeah. Yeah. It has to, pretty much. It, it can't... <laughs> Xbox cannot be more expensive than PlayStation. That's... Yeah, Microsoft has been kind of going first here a little cavalierly so far, and, and Sony's been had a chance to respond. But I think especially with E3 no longer in play because, you know, the standard order of E3 press conferences was Microsoft is first and Sony's the next morning. Like, Microsoft is going to be able to wait and not say the price until Sony says theirs. I think that's what, they, what they're going to do here. I think we just figured out why Microsoft has been so cavalier because it knew. It knew all along that at the end of the day on that spec sheet, it was going to say 12 teraflops versus 10 teraflops, and it mm. knew it knew the influencers would pick that stuff up. It knew that it would spread all over the internet. It knew that it was going to make an easy comparison. But I think they also comparison. believe that they have a better launch lineup. Probably. I think, yeah. I think they say, we have Halo. What the hell do you guys have? Yeah. Which is valid. Like, it is. You know, but I, look, right if Horizon now, Zero Dawn 2 is there at launch, then is it valid? I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's a totally different equation then. But right now, it's like, okay, you got Godfall and, got, you know, and PlayStation launch lineups have been historically weak. Um, yep. If you got Halo Infinite and Forza 8, like, what else do you need to compete with like some equivalent of Killzone, Shadowfall, and a couple of Dragon Ball games? You know, like, yeah. what? Who knows? Yep. Sony's got to come out swinging with this launch lineup, or they are going to get buried in terms of signal to noise ratio. Will that translate into sales? I don't know. But like having the slightly more powerful system with a bunch of like third-party stuff, the Game Pass subscription potentially included, and a Halo and Forza game, like that's going to be hard to beat if all you're doing is like leaning on like a bunch of half-ass exclusive things, or maybe like upgrades of PS4 games. Like Sony's got to have something up their sleeve here in the game lineup, or or their they're going to struggle way more with that than they will with the teraflop problem. And if they didn't do that, they should have held off on Ghost of Tsushima and made a PlayStation Five. If they don't yeah, have as much as I desperately want to play Ghost of Tsushima like, in June, yeah, like I think you're right. That might have been an ace in the hole. They might have wanted to hold off on. Well, The but, Last of Us Part Two is would be the ace in the hole. If you're going to delay either either of those two it. games, it's Last of Us Part Two <laughs> that you should delay for the launch. I mean, Ghost of Tsushima is probably going to be awesome and probably. Well, I'll honestly be a better game than The Last of Us Part Two, But if you're holding something to have a splash at launch, it's not the new Samurai IP. It's the new zombie-killing game that already had one game that everybody loved. But I, th I would think because Maybe. of the colors, you would want to hold it off because it'll show off the new graphics. Yeah, Tsushima is a more striking game striking in that game. regard. Like, check out the also, new generation. They desperately, want the, they desperately want the uh, the PlayStation 4 sales on, on Last of Us 2. Like, th I think they want the money off that more than they want the launch launch prestige. That would be really short-sighted <laughs> if they're worried about making money off of it. considering how many PS4s there are out there, because you're still going to get people buying that thing on PS5, because it doesn't look... It looks like you're just going to be able to put it in a PS5 and have it work. I mean, 
we're arguing which is the better launch game for PlayStation 5. I don't think either of you guys could say the better launch game for a console would be Ghost of Tsushima. I just I think I think Ghost of Tsushima is a more visually striking game. I agree with that, but it's that's it's this the demand for I can look at the data on Sifted and I can tell you that that would be a terrible decision. Like a third of the people that watch stuff for The Last of Us Part Two watch stuff for Ghost of Tsushima. It's just yeah, well, that was that was gonna, that was true of The Witcher Three at one point too, but that thing exploded. Like give it give it time. Ghost of Tsushima has some breakout potential if you if you put it in the spotlight properly. Well, it's like I said, I think it's probably going to end up being the better video game o- overall, but just the appeal of it is limited compared to something like The Last of Us. I think. I don't um, know. I think Ghost of Tsushima w- would show like would look next gen more directly than than last of us 2 would i think i would believe that as well and i would agree with that i just don't think it will move hardware the way last of us part 2 would um all right any closing thoughts on playstation 5 do you think they're better off or worse off after having done this presentation maybe that's the best way to cap it i think they're in the same place they were i think we need to see the games we need a price like none of it matters until we see the games and the price mitch yeah, people can dive into specs all they want, but like Matt said, and I, and majority of chat has been saying it as well. It's about the games. Like, what game can you play? You're not answering the question. Is it, are they better in a better place or a worse place after that presentation? I think they're in the same place. I don't think it's changed anything. I think they're in a worse place, and I don't think there's any debating it. I think if you talk to a PR person, they we just will. Did they debate will, it though. No, but I, I think if you talk to a PR person whose job it is to get messaging out there that actually has an impact, they'll tell you that it absolutely mattered that all the influencers were trashing PS5 for two days. Otherwise, they well, wouldn't be the giving. Otherwise, they wouldn't be giving these the influencers millions and millions of dollars if they didn't think it did anything. No, they do that because they don't know what else to do with them because the landscape changed so quickly in the in the YouTube world. Uh, when the PlayStation Five sells off the shelves inside of the first three days of launch. We can talk about how this presentation totally ruined them. They would have sold out four hours earlier if they hadn't let Mark Cerny talk about Terraform. Yeah, but it's but not it's, about selling out 500,000 launch units. That's irrelevant. That does, they're going to do that no matter what. They could put a turd on a plate and they'd sell all of them on launch Well, day. then exactly what I mean by how it doesn't matter because if you're talking about the long game, you're talking about way down the line when they've got all their exclusives out – the idea that anyone is going to pass on the system that has all those exclusives and does that so has that Sony magic because they saw Mark Cerny give a slightly lackluster GDC presentation no, on no, YouTube. No, 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 no. They, they did They didn't see it at all. They did not see the presentation at all. They don't even know it exists. They saw their favorite influencer, their favorite YouTuber, talking about it. That's what you guys. That's what's missing out of this discussion. It's not. They don't. They don't even know. They don't even know who the hell Mark Cerny is. The, Mark Cerny is irrelevant. That slideshow, irrelevant. It's what is disseminated out by the people that they trust after it's over that matters. But I think their matter. opinion they will change it when they see it. Uh, they see the next conference and they see, oh, the console looks nice. Oh, it's cheaper. They're going to put out another video that now praises it, and it's going to change people's minds. It's Again, it's very short-minded, and it's not going to last very long because their favorite influencer has to put up content all the time. Yeah, their favorite influencer will have moved on to whatever the new weird clickbait controversy is by then. It'll be and PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X still. That There's no bigger clickbait than the console wars. There's nothing bigger for gaming YouTubers and influencers. There's no more clickbait than PS5 versus Xbox Series X. None. Yeah, it is the, in the pinnacle. end it doesn't matter. 
<laughs> it doesn't matter compared it's to what the It's not going to stop is my point. On. It's going to keep going. It's going to because those videos do so many views, they're going to keep making them. They're going to keep and they'll start diving in a little deeper and I don't know. It's a different time, right. man. It's not the I same way as it was. That. I'm not saying it's the same time. I watch more of this YouTube stuff than you probably do. I'm saying that they don't remember what this sh- sh- what people say 6 months out. Like it doesn't it doesn't make that kind of an impact. And they can repeat it as much as they want, but like Okay. It's not uh, oh, okay, okay. I I have I have definitive proof that that is absolutely not true. I still get hate mail over Cyberpunk 2077. It's been almost two years since that E3. I still get hate mail from cyberpunk fans who watch some jackass YouTuber go off the handle about me. Two years later. You got picked up by a specific hate movement for that. That's what, and every once in a while that comes around again. This is There's the no same. bigger this hate movement than anti-PS5, anti-Xbox oh, no, Series is. X. There absolutely is, and we know what that is, and we're not going to talk about it because then we become a target. But you have to admit that... Console wars are a thing. It's near the top, yeah. They're up there, but it depends on who, which YouTuber you're talking about. Like, if Jim Sterling gets involved in a console war discussion, probably his fans are not going to send you death threats. Not too many of them. Maybe. Who knows? Um, But there (laughs) are others who, like, that's their bread and butter, and you got hit by one of the people for whom it's bread and butter. So what an existence that must be! What a great life to live, just bringing people down left and right. I'm sure the Patreon's pretty healthy. <laughs> what theirs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on. It's time to cap off the show with the I would argue the biggest game release of the week. Although based on sales, I think I'm wrong there. Uh, we're going to talk about Doom Eternal. Uh, the next. Yeah, I really entry- thought Doom was going to be the better seller between it and Animal Crossing because of the multi-platform element, but yeah. I, I think I was very wrong. I mean, we don't know yet. It could be closed. Doom could actually outsell it because it is on three platforms. But if it were on one, it would be getting its ass kicked by Animal Crossing. Yeah. Uh, but it's not. It is on multiple platforms. Um, the last Doom game, the first reboot of this franchise, was back in 2016. It took them four years, basically, to make this game. Do you see it, Matt? Do you see four years of craftsmanship in this game? I think I do. Um, I'm just a little surprised at how different it is from the previous game. And some I can't remember who it was on Twitter. I wish I could, could remember. I've seen a lot of tweets this week. Uh, not much else to do but stare at social media all day. Um, but uh, basically they said, like, like Doom from Doom 2016 was kind of like a like a big epic adventure like shooter and doom eternal is an arcade game yeah um and in that sense i think it is a little truer to what doom is at its heart you know the original doom what it was was at its heart but it's not the same experience and it is a good experience and i really like it but it's not really a follow-up to the last game in the way I kind of expected it to be. And I'm kind of okay with that, but it did surprise me that it was a very different and more traditional take on the material than 2016's was. Agree. I completely agree. I was shocked that it was less Metroid than the last game. Yeah. I really thought that they would take that part of the game and kind of run with it for the sequel. Instead, they dialed all that stuff back, and you're right. It's a little more... It's actually it's a little quakeish. It is. It's also a little bit like games that typically you don't like, like Bullet Storm. Because yes. look, there was um, resource management in the game from 2016, and that's a huge part of this game. So you basically have 
on the fly, you have two resources you need to continually be replenishing. You have health and you have ammo. And how you take out enemies, it, how you take them out, it will result in different rewards. So if you stun an enemy, and you'll see in this footage, if they start flashing like blue or yellow, that means that they're stunned. If you go up to them and then you finish them when they're in that stunned state, then you get health. If you go up to them and you cut them in half with the chainsaw, then you get ammo. And so every battle is this constant tug of war of, oh, I'm low on ammo, which means that I need to saw somebody in half. Oh, I'm about to die. I need to finish them. And this is kind of the mental gymnastics you're going through in each skirmish, is making sure that you're constantly refilling, replenishing your resources, and you're doing the things that you need to do in order to make that happen. That was a thing in the last one, but nowhere near as big of a deal as it is here. Like, my ammo constantly empty. My health, mm -hmm. constantly low. Um, and it's just this constant juggling that you have to do with the enemies. And it, they do do a good job of making sure that they're spawning enough enemies to keep you going. Um, they know when your health is low or your ammo is low, hey, we need to spawn a few more of the rank-and-file enemies so, that this, so you don't die, so you can get some health from them, so you can get some yeah. ammo from I'm, them. I'm almost surprised there's no combo meter. Yeah, I mean, it's right on the fringe, right? That might be next. Yeah. That might be for the sequel. <laughs> um, but, I, but like you said, I still really like it. I really like the game. Which do you like better, Matt? I mean, I think 2016 is more the kind of thing I like. Um, but, like, I do really like how all the systems interact in this game. Yeah. I have died once in four hours of playing this game on normal difficulty. But I've pulled it out of, like, you know, five health left at times. And yeah. I feel like I did it kind of on my own because I did the right thing in the game and exploited the system properly. And that feels really good. So while I wish there was more of kind of a... A met, like you said, Metroid-style take on on the overall material. Like I don't have a problem with what they did at all. Like I'm having a ton of fun swinging around the levels, blowing stuff up, and ripping people's heads apart, and doing all the the, the challenge arena stuff, and going in those special rooms with the keys, and and doing the challenge stuff, and barely surviving. That's I mean, it's it, all using all the weapons. I never use all the weapons in shooters. I pick my favorites, and do, but I switch between all the weapons constantly in this based on whatever situation I'm in and whether my ammo is low or whatever. Like, it keeps me playing like smartly and versatilely in a way that most shooters just don't. And like part of, you know, like I don't like that kind of bullet storm, you know, the club sort of thing, but like this game gives me a little bit of insight into why someone would like that. Now I would say I'd like the 2016 game more um, mm -hmm. because this game really dials back on the adventuring part of it. As far as like, I was pleasantly surprised by the reboot and the, how the level design was handled. And there were all these little nooks and crannies and hidden tunnels that you could find uh, that would lead you to stuff that actually is worth something. And mm -hmm. I tried to extrapolate Eternal that. doesn't have the atmosphere. It doesn't, but it also doesn't even have just a lot of those areas. Like, if you go adventuring in this game like you could in the last one and start poking around trying to find, hey, if I drop down off of this cliff, is there a little ledge down there that'll take me into this tunnel that'll give me, like, you know, a new weapon upgrade? <clears throat> that stuff is nowhere near as common in this game. Um, and the other thing I would argue with this game is there's a lot more um, invisible walls around the levels that deter me from actually looking around. Because a lot of times I'll see something and I'm like, oh, I can probably go there. And I'll go over and I'll start, start trying to 
clamor or jump up on it, and the game just doesn't let you. And I, and then you know it's it's inconsistent because there are other parts where it looks like you should be able to jump up on something, and you can. And it just I think because of the inconsistency, I've just kind of written it off. Like I don't really even look for that stuff anymore. If I see something obvious, then sure, I'm going to go look for it. But I don't really poke around the levels in this game like I did in the last one. I still do poke around them, although I think it's everything feels more straightforward and less discovery based like the previous one did, like especially because like the map just seems to sort of show you where everything is. Um, They don't want to make collecting the objects and secrets to be particularly difficult. Once you get the map downloaded, it's it's all on there. there. Yeah. When you get to the end of the mission, they unlock fast travel before you get to the end, so you can just sort of jump back through the rest of the mission, pick everything up, so you don't have to replay the level, which I kind of dig, yeah. but at the same time, it makes it feel even more by rote, if that makes any sense. No, it does you make know, sense, it, it, yeah. Also, Matt, so, I should add, if you've really only died once in the first four hours of this game, you should go apply yeah. it like FaZe Clan right now, because <laughs> <laughs> literally, you may be one of the best first-person shooter players ever. I, I don't I know promise, I don't even know how many times I've died up against human beings. I will not be that good. <laughs> I don't know how you haven't died. Like there's just some times where they just throw you into this arena with like literally like 80 enemies. And I feel like a lot of times whether I pass it or I don't is just luck. Either I get trapped I in a corner by like 20 guys or I don't. I got cornered by like three of the spider mech things yeah. at once and they just ride me. But I had ex- an extra life so I just got right back up and kept fighting. Um, See, I've I dude, have, I've died literally, of- literally at least a hundred times, at least. Like, there's some parts where they, I don't even think they expect you to even live. Like, you get <laughs> dropped into some. I'll have, I'll play this game. I'll have like four extra lives build up, and then they just drop me into an arena, and I lose all four right in a row. The gone. Like, I don't even care I've about. Def- it. I don't even go I've to get extra lives more. anymore. I died more Ori. That's for sure. Really? Like, Ori kills me constantly. I mean, I died a good bit yeah. in that, too. But honestly, I, I die all the time. In this. There's just some times where the fight starts, and you don't have a chance. Like, one of those big, like, walk crab walker things, like, you get attacked by, like, three of those, and one of the floating eyeball things, and one of the dudes with two rocket lock- launchers on their arms. Like, you just don't have a chance. I, I, can't, I can't believe you've only died once, man. Like, you literally yeah. may have missed your calling as an esports star. That's crazy. No, not not against people. It's wow. only because I can exploit AI well. Interesting. Uh, I've died a like, ton. I have, I have never been hit by one of what, what are the one of the floating eyeball guys called? I don't what know. I don't remember what their names are. Revenant I, remember, I mean, I something. call them beholders, but that's because I played D&D. Right. Um, I have never been touched by one of them. Because How? all you got to do, all you do is shoot a shoot the grenade. I from know the in their mouth. Shotgun in, yeah. in their mouth and kill but them. when there's uh, 80 guys around you, you can't pri- concentrate on every dude. I don't. I just prioritize them. That seems. Crazy. The other guys are not as dangerous as those fuckers. I just get the more dangerous ones first. Well, the other guys are just there to refill your health and ammo. That's right. all they're there for. Like I never die to those in guys. The air a lot. I'm. I'm. I'm in. I'm in the air a lot. Like that's kind of uh, one of my secrets. I guess is like I'm constantly flying. I died a ton, and I will continue dying a ton. I. I would love to watch you play to see how you avoid it. It just seems crazy. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, but anyway, um, I would argue though that I. I don't think this game is as hard as the last one. Um, I've seen a lot of people say this game is hard as nails. Like some of the reviews were like, "Oh, I did. I almost quit," and blah blah blah. I thought the last one was harder than this one, but I still died a ton. I do think the last one is harder. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, I feel like they, this one's more straightforward. You kind of know where you're always headed, and that helps as and far as you have as, more like, tools in this. You like, do. If you're getting low on ammo or, or health, like you said, you have instantly have tools. 
to fix that problem. You don't always have the ability to do that in the, in the previous game. Yep, because you have your guns. Um, you have a grenade launcher basically on your left arm, and you get different um, armaments for that. So, like, the first one is just, like, a grenade. The second one is, like, this crazy ice bomb that will freeze, like, an entire, like, patch of enemies. Um, and then you have, like, with the triangle button on PS4, you uh, have, like, a flamethrower that you can use. Mm-hmm. And if you if you set up enemies with the flamethrower... And then, so you hit them with the flamethrower, then hit them with your regular weapons. They just explode with goodies. So there's they drop armor. Yeah, yeah, you get like which the, is a lifesaver. Yeah, you'll get like all armor out of them, and it, like a ton of it. Like it just like it's a waterfall of of armor bits that come out of them. So you can keep managing all this stuff. It keeps the combat from ever getting boring. Um, even though the enemies are very repetitive in this game. That's probably one of my biggest uh, criticisms is that you just fight the same dudes over and over and over again. That is true. Um, There's basically like five enemy types and you just fight them over and over. And there's like slight variants of them. But for the most part, they're the same dudes. And part of that you do need to have because, again, you'll get thrown into an arena with like 80 enemies at once. And like you said, you absolutely need to prioritize the big guys first. Um, and then just use the little guys as you fight the big guys to replenish your health or ammo to keep fighting the big guys. Um, but it's, I mean, it's just mayhem. This game is total mayhem. Um, I don't like the music as much as I like the music in the last one either. Uh, I felt like the, the songs were a lot stronger. I'm not like a metal aficionado, but I know my, I know my way around the ring with metal music. And I, a lot of this stuff feels like, uh, like tracks that metal bands made that didn't make their albums, to be perfectly honest this, with you. The, I mean, I like the music in both, but I do think the music in this one kind of verges into like what feels like might be satire at times. Yeah, yeah. Almost like they're making fun of themselves over it. Yeah. It's a little more industrial, too, than the last game. The last game had a lot of live drums, a lot of drum machine-driven tracks in this one. Um, and I know we never really talk about music in games at all in this show but this is a game where we do because it does matter it sets the tone for the game um and eventually i ended up turning the music off in this just for full disclosure i got Mm. sick of it after a while and just started playing with sound effects and just started playing like my itunes in the background or whatever um how far are you in the game matt do you know um i don't know where am i'm how many of the demonic hell priests have you killed two me too. Yeah. So you're basically. I just, I just killed. I just killed the second one. Oh, okay. So you're you're a bit behind me then. But mm-hmm. you basically, if you're close to me, we're both basically two thirds of the way through the game. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, but I'm gonna keep playing, and I'm absolutely gonna finish this game. Uh, how about the biggest surprise of this game for me? Platforming. Also, by the way, mm. the most difficult part of the game. The platforming. I have died from platforming more than I have died from guns. Um, There's one section, Mm. and because I know where you are, I know you've made it past it, that is platforming over lava. And Mm -hmm. all these platforms, you jump on them, and you can only stay on them for a second before they disappear and go down into the lava. Oh, yeah. Well, you're jumping over the chains and all that stuff. That stuff is hard, but not that hard. But there's Mm. one section of that at the very end where... You have to jump on a platform, double jump, dash, dash, land on another one, turn, double jump, dash, dash, land on another one, and then mm-hmm. double jump, dash, hit a container, and it then... Picks, it recharges your That your recharges dash. your dash, yeah. but 
the the next place you need to dash to is like off at an angle, and it wants and mm. the the thing that you grab onto wants to send you straight. It's it was maddening. I literally almost quit playing the game. Like even this, what you're seeing right now, like the the platforming in this game, I can't freaking believe how hard it is. And again, it was like over lava pits, and the game is generous. There are checkpoints like constantly. But because this level was in this open area, depending on where you died, if you didn't land on a platform, it would end up respawning you, like, way back. Like, the last checkpoint that you would were at, it would overwrite it, depending on where you died. And I'd have to go back and do, like, the whole gauntlet all over again. Mm-hmm. The only way I ever actually passed that part of the game, Matt, was... One time, I finally managed to get that extra container for the extra dash, and I just kept dashing, and I literally just almost made it over the whole lava pit, and then I died about 10 feet from shore, and it clicked the checkpoint. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Wow. I, I, I literally tried it probably 20 times in a row and couldn't do it. So I think I, I, I fell several times on that. I never got down low enough to die, but I did, I did get past it. It, it was it's almost a fighting game mentality where like but the problem is like if if i'm panicking and i'm trying like i gotta go gotta go gotta like, i always would get through the the weird platforming stuff on the in this game when i calm down and just very deliberately hit the buttons um especially when it comes to like what, what you're talking about there where you have to make that direction change yep. like that feels very unintuitive it's wonky it's broken until yeah. you until you realize like oh like you have to really deliberately do what it wants you to do and not like try to feel like it, I, I, I'm trying to play it like it's a more open-ended, controlled game than it is in those situations, and uh-huh. that's why I kept falling. And once I kind of learned to sort of like play it in the almost a grid mentality, uh, which feels which feels like counterintuitive because the combat is so not like that. Right. The combat is so open and freeform and like just do whatever you got to do and go crazy however you got to get out of it, whereas the platforming is like extremely regimented. Um, it's a very different mindset, which is hard to switch between, I find. Yeah, I don't look, I, I like the platforming in the battle arenas because one thing that they do really well when they design those areas is they give you like the poles that you can swing off of. Um, and yeah. they're pretty smart the way that they design those arenas. But when I have to do platforming just to platform in this game, pfft, I hated it. I still hate it. Um, and uh, there were cases I did die in that area. I did lose lives there. And I had to fall. You have to fall like five times in the lava before you lose a life. I was getting yeah, very right. I was getting very, very frustrated with that section of the game. But eventually, I clicked that checkpoint and off I went to continue the rest of the game. Hmm. Are you surprised at the lack of story in this game, Matt? Because there's um, like none. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to say I'm surprised at the lack of story in a Doom game, and more that I was surprised at how much story was in Doom 2016. Oh, okay. Okay, fair enough. That's actually uh, a good the, assessment. You're right. Yeah. And like, I'm a little surprised they didn't go further with that this time. Yeah. I mean, I think literally, I'm pretty much, we're pretty much at the end of the game. I've probably watched maybe 15 minutes of cutscenes. Maybe. Yeah, about that. And there's some elements that are interesting to me. Like, I think, like, the old guy he runs into who sort of, like, gives a little backstory on what happened on Earth while you were gone. Like, that's yeah. interesting. The fact that there's giant mechs, like, broken down everywhere that they tried to use to fight these giant demons is cool. Like, <laughs> I feel crazy. like I missed the interesting part. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, I feel like we're getting there after all the fun is over. It is crazy when like, you see Earth at first with, like, the big pentagrams like, burned into its surface. It's crazy. Yeah, it's some cool stuff. It's like, it's like Doom, Daylight, and a Dollar Short, yeah. really. <laughs> 
but look, bottom line is it's fun. I'm I'm having fun playing this video game. Like there's a it's crazy too, like the RPG stuff in this. There are four different currencies. Um there's all this like there's all these different keys that you upgrade. can collect and like it's almost too much to keep track of, in all honesty. It's like the Neo 2 of, it of is. arcade shooters. It's insane. Like, And I feel like maybe there's a little bit of bloat there. But I will say this, though. You feel the upgrades. Um, when you yeah, upgrade something true. and you go out onto the battlefield, you feel it, no matter what you've upgraded. Uh, one thing that I did that made the game much easier was, I think they're called the runes. The first rune that I picked was the rune that kept them flashing longer. And that made the game so much easier because you can basically just spray a crowd. They all start flashing and then you just click the right stick and just keep clicking it. You just go through and just like just finish all of them at once. The one I picked was the one that makes you able to do the finisher from further away. That was my second one. Yeah, because like that was the main thing. I I, I was like, I keep hitting the I keep clicking R3 before I'm close enough. So that'll probably solve my one. maybe, And it did because, I mean, you can you can jump it up from like 30 yards. Yeah, yeah. that was the second one that I got with the big guys. Yep, for sure. Yeah. And that's that is one thing that I do like about this, too, is that you can do all the stuff you can do to the rank and file enemies. You could do to the big enemies like you can stun them. And then go in and finish them. And there's a full mm-hmm. animation that shows you, like, finishing off this gigantic beast. It's- and, like, always make sure, like, come at when, you know, once you've got a big guy stunned like that, come at them from different sides, from yeah. the back, from jump on top. Like, there's different animations for every single one. Like, those crab things, yep. there's, like, six different finishers on those things, depending on what angle you come at them from. Yep. And it's amazing. Like, whoever did all those, like, I you know, do, do as many weird things as you can. Even... If you if you do it from the left side, it's different than if you do it from the right side. Yeah, that's how much effort went into like giving you a bunch of weird old like ways to kill these things. That's where the four years comes in. Yeah, that's what took four that's, years. That's, no, but seriously, that's <laughs> that's the type of stuff that you get into the game when you have four years to make it. That doesn't end up in a lot of other games that have two years to make them. Uh, sorry, just have a quick question. Chad is asking Matt, did you play this on PC? Nope, played on Xbox. And I'm playing on PS4 Pro. Runs like lightning, like lightning. Yeah, it just a digital foundry. It was blazes. a digital foundry that did the the breakdown of it, where it's just basically like an id seven masterpiece. Yeah, sort of thing. It's they're doing some pretty neat stuff in there. It, yeah, it runs really great. It's really fast. Yep. Uh, it, but again, the enemies do get repetitive. The environments get a little repetitive too. But I mean, it's hell on earth. So how much can you mix that up, really? You see a lot of red and brown and gray yeah. when you play this game. T- I keep thinking about Dark Siders when I play it. Yeah, yeah. Because it has that same apocalyptic hell on earth. Yeah, yeah. I can see that for sure. Uh, did you play any of the multiplayer? I didn't. I did. Um, it's better than I, I thought. I figured you would take care of that. Yep, <laughs> I did. It's better than I thought it would be. Um, it, for those of you who don't know, it's a 2v1 uh, asymmetrical mode where one person plays as Doom Guy uh, and then the other two play as creatures. And the way that they've balanced it, it, it works somehow. Um, the first time I played it, Doom Guy played as a monster and Doom Guy just rushed at me and killed me in like 10 seconds. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Um, you, as the two monsters, you really have to work together. At like the at a certain point in the match, it gets to a place where you can actually spawn like minions, um, which you think, okay, that could help me. It, at the very least, it could distract Doom Guy. But the problem is when you do that, 
Doom Guy can kill them and get health and ammo. So it's this weird, like, balancing thing where you're like, uh, well, if I spawn these, are they going to distract them enough so I can land this? Oh, I did that. Oh, no, there he is. I'm dead. Like, it's it's definitely different. I don't know if it's going to have staying power. Right now, there's like a handful of monsters that you can play as. And I will say this. They're all different, and they all have, like, uses that that make sense and are functional, and they're easy to learn how to play as. The Really, the X factor, though, is communication. And that's really... Something to me that this generation, it's kind of fallen off, is just the ability to play video games with a random person with a headset. Uh, and a lot of people would say, hallelujah. Like, that's the best thing that ever happened to video games. I totally get that. But when you're playing a game like this that really requires communication, it sucks. Um, you really need to talk to the other person who is playing the monster in this to even just kind of coordinate things or to even help to tell him, like, bro, don't spawn him. Like, where we've got him, don't give him, like, health. Don't give him any more ammo. He's out of ammo right now. We can go kill him. Like, you need that communication between the two monster players to have a chance against... Uh... And the other thing, too, is that Doom Guy is, like, loaded to the gills. He's, like, the... Basically has everything that you have at the end of the campaign when the match starts. Um, and so you're kind of behind the eight ball as the monsters at the beginning. And if you don't have that communication, it becomes a problem. Um, and again, other shooters, you know, you can play Call of Duty without talking to people. How many times do you need to hear, he's in the bathroom, he's in the showers? Like, that? does that really help you play Call of Duty? Not that much. But in a game like this, communicating with a teammate is pretty much essential. So it's not its fault that it built the game with the tools needed to play it well. It's our fault that we're not playing with headsets and we're not communicating anymore. Um, there weren't a lot of maps. I, my count, I think I saw like four that I played through. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a different spin on the combat in Doom while still incorporating a lot of the same elements. Like I said, that whole resource management thing, if you're a Doom guy... It's still a thing in the multiplayer, uh, but again, you're going to have to rely on the monster guys spawning those people so that you can get a replenished health and replenished ammo. So it's good. I enjoyed it. Do I think people are still going to be playing it like two weeks from now? Nope. I really don't. I think because of the lack of communication, people are going to get really frustrated playing the game as the monsters. Um, but again, if you have friends to play with and you can party up with them and you can be a tandem uh, with one of your friends, then you'll probably wreck Doom Guy. Uh, and that is what was shown to me was when I actually did work with someone who had another headset, it was very well balanced. Like, we got to the point where we could defeat him. Without it, we really had no chance, though. And I think that's what's probably going to kill the long-term prospects. I also think that eventually we'll see a team deathmatch or something. Um, I don't think that they'll be happy with just releasing this asymmetrical thing. We'll see. Uh, the last Doom's multiplayer was kind of a disaster uh, and they actually did this in house this time, I think. Is that right? I think they did the multiplayer in house this time. I, I think, I mean, the, my source for that would have been you on a previous show, <laughs> but I think that sounds familiar. I think that's what I've said, actually, in a previous show. They, they farmed it out in the last game, and this time they kept it in house. Yes, they did farm it out last time. Yeah, so I'm, maybe because it's in house now, they have the opportunity to kind of expand it a little more because you don't have to sign a contract with some third party if, if it's blowing up and people are really loving it you can just look at your data and be like hey people are loving the multiplayer let's dump some more uh, resources into it so uh it's a nice extra it's a cool distraction certainly not the reason you buy the game certainly not the reason you expect to get you know more than a couple weeks of play out of it so 
Uh, Matt, I'm guessing you would uh, wholeheartedly recommend that people buy Doom Eternal. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a different follow-up than I expected it to be, but I don't think it's any less good for that. Um, and I think it's a really nice counterpoint to Animal Crossing. So I've been enjoying bouncing back and forth between the games. Yep, I would say it's better in some ways than 2016 Reboot and worse in other ways, but ultimately I feel like my overall opinion of both games is about the same. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really like one more than the other. I like certain parts of one more than certain parts of the other. Both, I believe, are worthy of the full $60 price tag, um, even if it's just for the campaign. And changing the difficulty in this also drastically alters the experience. I'm not sure I would want to play the whole game on a harder difficulty other than the default, which is what I've been playing on, but I know there are a lot of people out there who will absolutely gobble that up. And I did play, like, a couple missions on a harder setting, and it was a completely different experience to me. So there's some value in replaying the game on the harder settings as well. And also, yeah, I'm sure I would die on those settings. Yeah. Just and-, and also, there, you know, with the RPG elements, you really can kind of build a unique character that plays differently than somebody else's Doom guy. So there's some incentive to maybe to go back and try different paths, maybe with more of a focus on one weapon or another. Um, but yeah, the, the replay value, not up with like a Call of Duty or something like that where you get a gigantic multiplayer suite. And the campaign is almost like the afterthought. In this, it's reverse where the multiplayer is kind of the extra or the afterthought. So that's two thumbs up from Game Face uh, for Doom Eternal. If you haven't bought it yet, maybe you're working your way through Animal Crossing. It's been very odd this <laughs> this week, hmm. jumping back and forth between those two games. It's like, I'll play Doom until I get to a part where I've died a couple times. I'll put the controller down. I'll walk away, maybe get a snack or a drink or something. And then I'll see Animal Crossing. I'll see my Switch sitting there, and I'll pick it up, and I'll be like, yep, yeah, I'll do the thing I have to do for today that'll take me, like, 20 minutes or half an hour, and then I'll go back to Doom. It's just been this very... Weird juxtaposition uh, that I think probably a lot of people are experiencing. Talk about right your now. perfect counter programming. My what? Perfect counter programming. Oh, you mean against those two games? Yeah. Against each other? Yeah. They're so different. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that uh, the, the guys at Bethesda may regret releasing around the same time as Animal Crossing, only because the way the timing worked out with what's going on in society right now um, is I think most people are going to look at those two games. And if they have to choose between one, they're going to take the one with the smiling animal on it right now. <laughs> Maybe I'm crazy, hmm. but I just have a feeling right now with the mood of the country and all around the world, I think when people are presented with those two options, they're going to be like, I'll take the smiling and laughing dog. How about that? Uh, but I think both are going to do well. And Doom certainly does deserve to do very well at retail. So there you go. That's Doom Eternal. It's time to move on to our Q&A. Unfortunately, uh, because of our new setup, normally I have my chat sitting here, but I've got Matt there right now. In fact, I'll spin him around so you guys can see him. (laughs) Maybe I should have just put Matt here at his spot on the table, and then we could just do the show as normal, and then you just, when it's time to go to Matt's place. (laughs) Serious. Maybe for next week we'll do that. Uh, But anyway, typically I have the chat here on uh, this screen, and I can read it. Today i got to do it on my phone. Next week maybe I'll bring an iPad or something like that. Uh, but uh, get your questions into the chat. Uh, Matt, are you on chat so you can see some of the questions as yeah. well? Okay. Um, um, yeah, it may be easier for you. I'm also having this yeah. thing on, on Twitch where it's like only showing me the first five comments from the Someone show. Someone did right? ask about Half-Life Alex and whether oh. we would be covering that. 
Yeah, just uh, unlocked yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Matt, have you given it a whirl? Have you? I don't see your uh, Vive no. stuff set up behind you there. <laughs> no, I would have to drag the Vive out of the closet and do all that, and I have not had uh, the wherewithal, wherewithal or interest in it. I might try to do it this week. I don't know. Now, have you I make no bought prom- it? Make no promises. I have not bought it. Okay, so it's not like preloaded on Steam or anything for you. Nope. Okay, so that's going to be dependent on Matt. I don't even. I can't even afford like a nice VR HMD. I can't. Um, all I have is PlayStation VR, and I have a feeling it may eventually come to that, or PlayStation VR two when that comes out. Um, but as of right now, it, there's no plans for Valve to uh, release it for that. So I have to rely on Matt on this one, and hopefully he'll check it out. Uh, it's getting really high review scores, which I've seen, uh, which is encouraging. Um, because it could have really gone either way, I think. Because Valve hasn't really made a game like that in a long freaking time. Um, okay, here's one from Yakov226. Hi, last week Matt said that he heard some stuff about a Silent Hill game. It made my week. Now Konami PR said it's a false rumor. Care to comment? Well, if Konami says it, it must be true, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess... I didn't see any of this. I honestly hadn't seen the story. I, I that... saw it this morning. Like, yeah, they, they, Konami said, no, that's not a, not a real thing. Um, okay. Because I remember you brought it up last week, and I had not even seen, like, the original story that it was, like, a thing at all. So mm-hmm. it, this, this whole thing well, just it was part of, it was drove part right around me. Thing, right? It was the whole th- part of the whole thing with Sony buying Silent Hill, Castlevania, and Metal Gear. Yeah. But Silent Hill, I think, has a little more plausibility to it. Uh, but we'll uh, just we'll just stay tuned on that one. Okay. Uh, here's one. Whether from... you want to believe what Konami PR says is up to you. Yeah. Uh, here's one from JM Rain ninety nine. Matt, how far have you made it in Neo two? Sorry if I missed the update. If you already gave one, I haven't made it any further in Neo two. You haven't played it at all. Uh, nope. So once you got Doom, really you were I'm done. interested in right now. Yeah. Been playing Doom and Animal Crossing, and I actually did pick up uh, Earth Defense Force five. For like nineteen bucks on PlayStation Network and was playing that because you may have overpaid <laughs> even at that rock like bottom price. Uh, I like those things. They're 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 the, they're my Dynasty Warriors. Is okay. Here's one from Tomb Raiders. Uh, any good movie or TV recommendations for the coronavirus extended uh, slumber party? Mine is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang from Shane Black and Ozark on Netflix. Are you not watching Sifted HQ? It's we, on, and Ozark is on there. We give you recommendations for TV and movies every week in Sifted HQ. It's one of Mitch's favorite segments that he does in Sifted HQ every week. Oh, yeah, because I love movies and TV shows. Exactly. And and Shane and I particularly love Ozark. Oh, yeah. Like, we figured oh, that out yeah. when we both started talking and being like, you watch it? Oh. So we are pumped oh, I am jacked for, for, o- Friday. for Ozark. Like, Ozark on Friday. I, yeah. There it goes. The, I mean, I'm going to binge it. I will watch yeah. until I fall asleep on Friday night, and then I will wake up on Saturday, and I will finish it. Makes and, it sound like it'd be a nice spoiled. Yeah, it depends. Like, I don't know if the show's big enough to do a spoiled on. Like, I don't even know if any of you guys are watching Ozark. You we absolutely should be. You have the rest of this week to watch the first two seasons before season three kicks off. If any of you do that, and you feel like you wasted your time, and Shane was insane to tell you to do that, let me know, and I'll send you some stickers. How about that? Because I have a feeling that no one is going to say that. It is an amazing show. I've been watching uh, Better Call Saul. The last two episodes of that have been freaking amazing. Uh, the girl that plays Kim Wexler in that show, like, she deserves awards. She's literally one of the best actors on television, hands down. 
Um, if you guys are Breaking Bad fans and you're not watching Better Call Saul, I don't know what you're thinking. Definitely a great show. Uh, movies, there are no movies. <laughs> I mean, all the, the movies are going to come out on like rent for rent now, right, hmm. Matt? Like, that's on what's happening. Or buy. Either that or pushing back to August or so. Wonder Woman got pushed to August today. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the movies aren't going to be happening for a while. Uh, so it's all about television right now. And there's no sports. So, and, I, and that's probably why you're asking this because you're like, there's nothing to watch. There's no live sports. It's... He, he also wants to know what Matt thinks of what shows and movies does he recommend during this time? Um, I don't know. Like, I've been rewatching Clone Wars. Um, just as kind of background noise, uh, catching up on Killing Eve. Um, and, uh, I have considered, I've considered rewatching, um, uh, what was it? Uh, now I don't remember. I had a, I had a plan for this. I don't remember. <laughs> have you started watching but, the final season of Clone Wars? No, I'm I'm only on season four. I I watched up through season six, but I'm doing a whole series rewatch before I do the final season. Just mo- in part to to stall for time until all the season seven episodes are out. Um, see, uh, Star Trek Picard just went free today, so I'll probably watch that now. Um, feel sorry for the people that subscribe to CBS All Access for that, but here we are. Hey, have you watched that uh, documentary on Netflix about the crazy big cat people? It's called, like, Tiger. Oh, oh Tiger. D- yeah. yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. If you want your brain to just be cracked down the middle and to ooze out your ears, watch that. I literally got to, like, the third episode, and I had to stop watching. It was so disturbing. The, mm-hmm. There are backwoods people, and then there are the people in that documentary. And, and then... Yep. And when it got to the point where the person who I thought was the only sane one on the show turned out to be just as big of a crackpot as everybody else, that was it. I was like, I can't take it. It is. Have you watched it, Matt? I've heard from people who've been watching it about it. Uh, I don't know if I. I don't know if I can watch something that cringy. Oh my god, it's just insane. It, it just crib notes. It's so pe- private citizens can own tigers and lions. And ligers and panthers. My and family cheetahs. owned wolves for five years. Right, Mitch's family grew wolves, but there are people around the United States who have become obsessed with these cats, and they all compete with each other. They have these crappy farms in the middle of nowhere where the tigers are kept in these awful cages, and they compete with each other who for whoever has the most. One of them is literally like a polygamist with like five wives. The other one is like this gay redneck who has two husbands and is dirt poor and pays all his employees a hundred bucks a week. It's, I don't know. It's a train, absolutely a train wreck. And either you're going to be able to keep your eyes on it. Or you're going to have to look away eventually. And I eventually had to look away. So hmm. <laughs> watch at your own risk. It's There's insane. also another after one up you told me about, which was like uh don't F with cats. Yeah, oh yeah. That's another one. That's, that's another a, that's documentary. A three-piece series. Uh, if you mm. love cats, I don't know if you want to watch it, but it is quite interesting. Well, cats end up saving the day, kind of. Well, I don't know. Yeah, if you like cats, I would not watch it, actually. That would be a the first mistake. episode has some has some stuff in it. Yeah. But, like the, but the, the, the journey is amazing. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's a great doc. No, get me wrong. But if you really love cats, the first episodes are really, really Also, uh, McMillions is really, yeah. if you're doing documentaries, McMillions about how the McDonald's Monopoly 
contest was rigged. And that's on HBO, uh, I think. Really fast. It's HBO, yeah. Yep. Really fascinating. Yep. So there you go. That's Game Phase 204. We did the best we could. I, I've noticed that uh, I've been looking at the screen when I've been talking to Matt. I haven't been looking at the camera. I noticed that once I turned the screen around and you could see Matt, I was talking to the screen as if my friend were here. <laughs> Social <laughs> distancing at its finest. I, mi- I miss him. Come back, Matt. Please come back. We're here lonely without you. Uh, so yeah, anyway. I don't know where you people have been. <laughs> so anyway, uh, this is probably the way it's going to be for a little while. Who knows? Yeah. It may be eternity. I don't really know what's going on. I don't think anyone knows what's going on. Uh, apparently, our president's thinking about like uh, releasing everything on Monday. That could literally bring he like he doesn't have the he doesn't have the power to do that. That's a state by state thing. Like he can say it, but it's not like the federal government can make us go outside. Like Newsom and Cuomo are going to keep control over that. It's, well, I hope right. if and he does that, everyone ignores him because it could literally end the it world. Will. It could end the world. Uh, it won't end the world, but it could end the economy for a good amount of time. And uh, because a bunch of millions of people dying from a virus is going to impact the economy way more than everybody working from home for a while. Um, But do do brace yourself because the numbers coming out of America and particularly New York on this are going to be horrific for the next week. Like we are at the beginning of the beginning. Yep. Uh, Just just buckle up. So keep your hopes up, folks. And don't listen to anything he says. (laughs) Things are going to be great. Don't listen to anything (laughs) Trump says about it. And if you want to be able to buy that nice new console, stay home. Stay home if you want to. If you want to be this. around for the Xbox and the and the PS5. I will say this: I am saving a ton of money since this all started by not going out and eating at restaurants. It's insane, like how much money I was spending eating at restaurants because I get. It's like I, my wife and I both work such crazy hours. It's impossible for us to make dinner, but now we're forced to. And uh, anyway. So we're going to do the best we can throughout this crazy thing. This is really unprecedented. It's something that's never happened before. So I think everybody's just kind of rolling with the punches however they can. We're going to continue doing the same thing. Um, Although do try to get takeout or delivery if yeah. you can periodically because the restaurants need, need the help. Yep. Try to there's help. almost no chance that you will get contaminated through food. That is not how respiratory viruses spread. Yep. So support your local businesses who are really hurting right now. Um, and yeah, we're just going to keep on chugging. well, for God's sake, if you're in America. Yep, absolutely. So that's it for episode 204. My friend Matt here on the screen. My buddy Mitch in the shower. I'm Shane Satterfield. We'll see you next week. Game Face is up and out. <laughs>